Honey, I have to say, my parents really did, though, do me a solid with that Costco bag of tortilla chips. <laughs> that was as tall as I was. Yeah. It was like three, four and a half feet. Yeah. And then the craft singles in the fridge. And that's all I need. That's to this all day. you. When you people could... say that I seem like a bitch that could survive the apocalypse, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, obviously. If obviously you hit up I a Costco. goodness sorry i froze i don't it's very windy here it's like a windstorm and i think it knocked the internet out my mom's always like when it's like well it's cloudy today that must be what's happening with the internet i really don't know if that's how it works i really think the wind affects the internet we'll see sure we'll see who does any of this exist Exactly. And you know. know, you know what's so funny it, to me is that like I get so pissed off at like my cell phone or the internet, and then I'm like, it's so funny to me. Like it's magic. Like the that you can just have the a- fact that any of this shit even works. Yeah. Yes, what are we doing? Ever, we're literally ever. sitting. Wait, we're sitting like four thousand miles apart, talking in our own respective homes, looking at each other. Yes. Video talking like we dreamed of in days of Pee Wee's Playhouse and recording all of it. Yeah. And then we're going to put it out onto the into the airwaves tomorrow. It's crazy. It's crazy. This is. So, you know, maybe it's wild. So if it froze for one second and it was the wind or whatever, I guess I'm going to try not to be too mad about it. Hi, everybody. Hi. I'm everybody hey, in this case. Hey, everybody. Hey, how are you? Welcome to the show. I'm good. How are how, you? How's your week been? Well, Casey, since last we spoke, <laughs> um, my week's been all right. I had the first big, we had our first big table read for Netflix for Girls 5 Eva. Oh, great. And we did three episodes and it was good. It was like great to see people. Um, It was exciting. It was a little nerve wracking. And ultimately, I think it all went well. And we're still like a, a bit a bit away from from going to work, but I think yeah. they're I think that um I don't know if it's like a product of the writers, the impending writers strike that may happen. Right. That they want to get all of the episodes written before that you know, happens. Yeah, before it, they can that if that happens. Yeah. Because when is that? When is that date? Do you know? I don't know. I'm not in the WGA. You know, I wasn't uh I wasn't ever allowed in. That's so weird to me. It is. I'm in the um, Directors Guild and the Screen Actors Guild and AFTRA. Um, so it's yeah. so weird to me. Well, I'm okay well, with it because it's like a less, one less due girl, I have yeah, to pay. You're not missing much. No. Well, <laughs> I mean, true, I love actually. I love a union, but me it's too. like when well, you're not, when been... you're not working on it, it's not like they help you get jobs or what, you know. No, but also, like, I think that they've really, I think that the new media, you guys, this is such, like, dumb insight. But it is interesting. I think people don't understand, like, just how much streaming has really fucked over the people who make 
the stuff. Right. Um, because the deals that were in place with studios and everybody's claiming that they're poor and like no yeah. one is. Yeah. They're all making so much money and then they're like just not able to right. pay proper residuals or yeah. Yeah. reimburse like, people for their work. Just every time there's some new development, someone is dreaming up ways of like cutting corners and like there's no more corners to cut. It's round, you know? We're in a circle. We're in a flat circle <laughs> and there can be no more corners cut off of it. Um, I feel like there's just been, I don't know. I feel like, pers- so I feel like personally my week has been okay. Good. I was like really obviously like I think most everyone and certainly everybody listening, like sort of horrified uh, by the events of the past week in Memphis yeah, and Tyree Nichols and his, it's just... Um, that's been, that was very hard. Obviously didn't watch anything because I think it's disgusting that they would release the video. I think it's, yeah. dis- I think it's, I think it's actually. First of all, every time I see his mother speak, my heart just no, breaks I can't. because. Well, I think that's what, I think that is what speaks to so many of yeah. us, yeah. right? Yeah. But then on the other hand, like I. I understand, you know, I'm, I feel for all of my black friends who are having Same. this come up in their timeline again, and um, again, again and, again. and again. And, and, you know, everybody's, uh, been talking about this, um, this theory called linked fate, which is that like every time a black person sees a black body abused or worse killed, that it does something to them psychologically because they it's a it's you know the name is what it is it's a linked fate they see themselves or their loved ones in that person that's being harmed on screen and so that's just detrimental to black people's mental health um then at the same time you know you hear the arguments for why we should be or have to watch this thing um so that we understand the brutality and the loss. It's just, it's really, really complicated. I know for me, like, I feel like I understand how brutal it is without having to watch it. And I have, I, I have really particular feelings about, like, watching death at all. Yeah, obviously. You know, I just, um, I just feel like it, it should do something to all of us. It should. And I don't know that it does. And and so, and in every case, I don't know that it affects people in the way that it should to ever see someone die. And I think, like, sometimes seeing it on video makes it, like, not real for people. And so I'm just sending love to all of our friends who, you know, are – again, in this fucking position of being like, can you say my life matters? Like, I know. It's also just like, I, and I think I wrote this because I put, you know, like a post up with that. I was glad that AJ Plus account like posted all those amazing photos of him and his photo, like his yeah. photographs and yeah. all that stuff. Because I think that was really necessary Like, to me, well, I have two thoughts. The first one is that for me, obviously, like you you said, I think of 
myself as a mother, mm-hmm. it's impossible for me to separate another mother's pain from my own. It just is. Like, yeah. like I just can't yeah. fucking imagine um, losing a child, period, right. and then losing a child to racism and right. brutality and like a thing, you know, it, that's, it's, it's really hard uh, right. to fathom. Um, and then the second piece of it is like that this, that the idea that like showing it or seeing it is necessary for people to like get white people, I guess, to get it or something is so fucking insane to me because what is inherently like what we need to build up is empathy, right? Right. right. And you, you create empathy by the similarities, not watching someone and be defined by the worst last moment of their life. Right. That they right. had no control over. Right. Right. And, I just think that people, I see it in like sometimes in comments and not on necessarily my Instagram at this point, but like, I mean, maybe I think there might've been a few, whatever, they're gone. Those motherfuckers like saying like, whatever they say, whatever justification, like whatever thing that they put, yeah, they put we don't in know, there. We don't know but the they whole put, story is sure, what people but say. They, but people put that in there to put distance yes. between themselves and the tragedy and the reality of the tragedy. And here's a thing that I used to fucking do when I was at, right after I had Birdie. Have I ever, have we talked about this? Yeah, know. we did. Cause this was, it was on, it was on Instagram. I like, this was like early days of Instagram stories. I think I talked about this. I, it was called dead. It was dead baby stories. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. And like in order to make myself feel better about, that I was going to, that my child would be safe always. I would like obsessively read stories anytime there was like a baby murdered, a baby kidnapped, a baby died of some fucking horrible dry drowning, whatever. I would like deep dive on it until I could find out why, figure out in my brain, this is, there's, it's nonsensical, right? Because right. there's no rhyme or reason to it. Right. I would refuse to look at all the ways that I was similar to the people. Right. I only would see the way in which I know I would do something different. Right. Right. And that was how I was able to like, I was of course also guys suffering from postpartum anxiety. Right. Which I wasn't aware of, but like I was really obsessed with that idea of like, Oh, okay, okay, so the mom's my age. Okay, the baby's uh-huh, Birdie's age. Okay, this, 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 this. But, oh, nope, I wouldn't have done that. Mm-mm. Nope, would have gone. Yep, yeah, I'm good. Right. Birdie, Birdie's still alive. Right, right. And I think, to like, the psychology of trying to, like, get people to understand, like, how, like, the systemic nature of and how ingrained violence against black and brown bodies in this country is, there was some idea that like these body cameras or the proof would be able to do it. Right. 
And I just, I just disagree. So well, I just think it gives, it gives certain people an, the distance that they can say like, well, that's not, that's not me and it's not anyone I know. It's right. fine. And so far people, even when confronted with the proof and the, you know, like just undeniable proof, people still say the same thing. People still say the same things. Well, we don't know the whole story. We don't know what happened before the footage started. We don't, And it's like, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. You could watch a video of that guy's whole life and then those last few minutes and someone would still say the same shit. Right. But what I'm saying is like, you see... You see that guy joyful on yes. a skateboard. You yes. see ty- you see this kid fucking taking beautiful pictures of sunsets. Right. Like who doesn't love sunsets? Yeah. And then you're like, "Oh, he does he deserves to die cuz he ran or whatever, you know, like I'm literally not I don't know what people have said cuz I won't look you won't at look. well, yeah. I I won't look at the fucking comments of of people who are trying to put the space. Right. Right. Between between themselves and other humans. Right, right. Who think that, like, murder is okay, is an okay outcome for a traffic stop. Like, what? It's just, here's why it just doesn't make any sense. Because it was like a traffic stop with no probable cause and it escalated to this incredible amount of violence so quickly But here's the thing. Even if there was cause to pull him over, even... Correct. Even... Police are never supposed to kill anyone. They're not the judge or the jury or the executioners for any crime. It is just their job to detain someone even when there is probable cause. So that's like all of those arguments, like they just go out the window, even though people try to repeat them over and over. Nobody ever being disrespectful, nobody ever running or resisting in any way. None of those. And you see, and you also see when there's the video of the crazy white Karen lady. Right. Running, resisting arrest, right. doing that the whatever. Rules are different. That the rules are different for white bodies. The rules I mean, are different for white people. Like how Kyle many, Rittenhouse. How many mass shooters have been safely cuffed and sat in the back of a police car, sometimes given uh, a cheeseburger? Casey, I believe all of them. Yeah. So, I mean, so it, it's just... Like, but I'm Literally, just, unless they've taken their own fucking life. Right. So I'm just saying, like, all of those arguments, it doesn't even, it's a non-starter because police are never supposed to kill anyone. And police rarely kill white people. That's right. just so the bottom fucking line. Right. So it's obviously, like, just this big problem that needs to be solved. And I, the reason my heart is so broken, besides just for his poor mom is just that people I don't like people are just like we need police reform and I'm like okay who's working on that what is getting done it just seems like one of those things it seems like the new thoughts and prayers you know like is it it's not even new it's old like people like we need we need to change this now thoughts and prayers 
it's just it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't. It's just words. John Oliver, um, post right after George Floyd's murder, John Oliver, or maybe not right after, but in that summer after, John Oliver had a really incredible episode of Last Week Tonight. Yeah, um, that highlighted a town and a, on the East Coast. I can't remember the specifics of it. Right where they where, got rid of police. They basically, no, they didn't get rid of the police, but they basically were able to sort of like get around the police union in some way. And everyone was, everyone on the force um, was like everyone at the, at the top was fired. Yeah. Like everyone in, in the top of the police department was fired and then everyone else I believe, like I, I'm, I'm trying to remember this from watching a show. Yeah. But essentially, like what they did was they required everyone to reapply for yeah. the job. Yeah. And they did it with like new standards and like psych evals and like a different way of, of, of doing the whole thing. Like it was like radical. Yeah. And then they did separate out departments, right? So like, yes, like traffic stuff. A lot of people are like. Cops shouldn't even be making fucking traffic stops. Like, I agree. Like, what the yeah. fuck? Yeah. Why is a cop with a gun making a fucking traffic stop? It's not necessary. Right, right. Like, it's just so stupid. Right. Um, or domestic violence calls or right. uh, mental health calls. Like, right. all of those things. Like, right. there should be other departments. Because, that, that, yeah, that's not their area of expertise. Also, well, right. But, like, also to be fair and if anyone is listening who's like family or police officers and whatever like I there's a lot that's put on fucking cops right to be right and like they don't have adequate training or ability to be able to be 47 different things right when their training is really like one thing yeah, and it's and the trainings become increasingly militaristic. Yeah, um, and which, more violent. Right, and they had that guy. They they also like um, in that episode of John Oliver, they profiled that guy who like basically has set the precedent for modern policing right. um, training, which is insane. Like, yeah. if you haven't seen that, guys, highly recommend checking it the fuck out because right. you will be honestly terrified. Right. Like when you look at what um, modern police departments have for vehicles, what they have for budgets and what they do with those budgets, that they're basically being like armed, like tactical forces. And it's like they, you know, they have the equipment and the gear and the look of people that are ready to go to war. And so then you have to ask yourself, who are they going to war with? Correct. And, you know, we're, they're not being dropped in another country. They're in each of our towns has like, you know, basically every city, every town has its own like military force. And so like, what are they, what are they going to war against? I do want to say like, I get it. And I've known people and I have people in my family who are in law enforcement. And I think that... They're they're good people, and I know how scary it is to watch your loved one uh, put on their badge and and go to work. But I would encourage you, 
you know, talking about, like, getting the facts and putting distance or just, you know, um, orienting yourself to the truth, I would encourage you to look up statistics on what are actually the most dangerous professions in the United States. Food delivery is very dangerous. Truck driving is very dangerous. Being a police officer is not the most dangerous job in the United States. My son was a pizza delivery kid for a few years. And like, thank God I never knew how dangerous it was. But being a police officer, while you are putting your life on the line and dealing with, you know, unpredictability, there are a lot of jobs. Uh, I feel like forklift driver, um, a lot of a lot of things that have to do with heavy equipment and machinery. And, you know, all of those things have unpredictable elements. They're being a police officer just it isn't the most dangerous job in the United States currently. And so I think that that's just one thing that we need to think more about and then get more realistic about the way police officers need to respond to literally every confrontation that they're in the presence of. Or often that they're they're causing, you know, like nice. that. There would be no confrontation often if they weren't pulling someone over or, you know, I just, I don't know. I don't know what the solution is. I'm not an expert, but all I can say is, like, if if my heart is broken, if I feel tired, I just can't imagine what a parent of uh, especially black sons who are just trying oh, yeah. to I know. L- live their lives and be happy and play and do the things that they love. Mm. And they're just trying to you, you talk about the way that you feel. You know, I was just talking about, I know it's hard to watch your family, your loved one, if they're in law enforcement, go out the door every night. Think about the way that it feels for a black parent to let their 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, up until forever, every time. For the rest of your fucking life. For the rest of your life, every time you're a black parent and your black child, especially your black son, is leaving the door, you just, it doesn't, it doesn't matter how much you've trained them, how much you've taught them. It doesn't matter how much you've told them what they have to do to stay safe in that situation because it doesn't matter. None of none of anything, none of saying, like, I don't have a gun, my hands are up, please don't shoot, I'm complying, I'm doing everything you've asked. It, it hasn't worked. It doesn't work. No, it doesn't. And so I don't, know what the solution is, but I know that I have just, I'm sick to my well, stomach. Me too. And I, and I have been thinking about how, you know, a while ago we talked about, like maybe like a year ago, we talked about this idea of like, it feels over like of things feeling overwhelming because it's so big, right? It's so systemic. It's so giant. And like, what if we make it real small, you know, and like really small, like just in our communities and with our city council people and we ask them to help and, you know, and we ask the small police force, you know, the police forces in our towns and they're, Because, you know, a lot of times when I was looking into 
some stuff that I was like helping out with um, in 2020, like with Black Lives Matter and Movement for Black Lives. Like the police unions, and again, do love a union, but a lot of times like the police union, it's a little antithetical, like it's like, Sometimes it's like a little tricky. Well, we don't have a we don't have a people's union. We don't have a union that protects people. That's right. That's and right. So it's just that's you know, exactly right. We have this like this system in place that is like it's inherently racist. And I'm just saying this because like the the origins of policing are racist. That like 100%. they were police organizations were formed originally to catch like runaway slaves. So that when I say inherently racist, the system is built on racism. That's what I mean. And white supremacy is prevalent still. And it just, so unfortunately what we're dealing with now is like an unchecked authoritarian system. Correct. Where, but we're, but like we're, we need to, this is why I'm saying, like, I think the only way, like, I look at that place in Connecticut. I made up that it's in Connecticut. Whatever. The thing I'm, from John Oliver. Yeah. I'm guessing it was probably Massachusetts. I feel like Massachusetts has been, has, like, I think that there have been some novel, I'll have to look. I think there have been some novel ideas about policing in Massachusetts, believe it or not. Here's what I want to say stresses me the F out. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> grocery shopping, meal planning in New York. I can't do it for my kids. It's so hard, KC. It's a lot. It's a lot anywhere, but especially in New York. No, New York is impossible. But any <laughs> big city, I think. Like, anytime you're like, ugh. Also, like, my kids are like, you can't make the same thing, mom. Like, please. That's please. me. That, that's how I feel to myself. I have decision fatigue. I need help and I need suggestions. Well, guess what? What? Hungry Root is here to help. So helpful. Hungry Root is a service that fills your fridge with healthy food and simple recipes. So it's almost like part meal kit company, part grocery delivery company. So they'll send you meals for any time of the day for any number of people that live in your house, plus all kinds of little snack things that you can stock up and fill your cabinets with. And I have to say that the meal kits have been such a lifesaver in my house. They're super tasty. They're super easy. Yeah, I was going to say they're really easy. And like for me, you know, yeah, that's the biggest I'm thing. not I'm not trying to go to culinary school. You know what I'm saying? Like I just need honey who has time. I just need something I can throw together in 10 to 15 minutes. And we have other skills. Yeah, that's it. That's not my journey. That's not but my they also have fresh produce, which yes. I love. Yes. And high quality meat and seafood, pantry staples, healthy snacks, even sweets. I appreciate it. It's, it's so all about good. balance, guys. It's all about balance. I just love it because I'm spending less time thinking about shopping and not shopping. And more time just like enjoying the healthy meals and food that show up yeah. for me from Hungry Root. 
I feel like it gets to know like what you like as you go along. I mean, that tracks. Yeah. There's there's a quiz, a short quiz. You know, we love a Guys, quiz. What do we love? Right, right. So they they get to know you, what kind of food you like, what your goals are for your eating and how you like to eat it, what flavors you're into, what things you definitely aren't into. So you're never going to get anything where you're like, oh, bummer, I, this service doesn't know me at all. I don't eat The this. other thing I love is that it's like not just what's for dinner, it's breakfast and lunch as well. Yes. Guys, highly recommend giving Hungry Root a shot. It's going to make your life so much easier. And right now, Hungry Root is offering Busy Phillips is doing her best listeners 30% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Excuse me? Hungry Root? Excuse me? That's wild. Excuse me? Just go to HungryRoot.com slash busy to get 30% off your first delivery and get your free veggies on. That's HungryRoot.com slash busy. Don't forget to use our link. So we get credit and they know that we sent you. Oh my God. I saw uh, Naomi Watts post this amazing thing today. Yeah. That was like... um, her as a little girl, like, when can I use a tampon? And her now, like, am I or am I old enough to use a tampon? And then her now, and she's like, am I old enough to use lube? <laughs> like, and I so appreciated it because I do think, like, a lot of women forget that we can, like, help ourselves. We can decide. We can better sex. Yes. We get more comfortable sex. Even if you're like, my sex isn't uncomfortable, but it could also be like better. Yeah. I'm just telling you, guys, I love you. Yeah. I'm telling you it could be. Yeah. Like, honestly, like, (laughs) truly. Guys, come here. I'm going to tell you something. Lean in. Lean in because I need to tell you that I know you think it's fine. Could be better. Could be better. It could be. It could be better. And like, honestly, this is a safe space. Euphoria really did like change my opinion about a lot of things. And like, I am such a fan of their product and also just like their whole ethos, like how they're just like empowering people with vulvas, people who love vulvas, people who want to like have bigger, better, more full orgasms. Um, Guys, in case you've been sleeping under a rock or just fast forwarding through these ads for the last two and a half years, uh, you've missed Foria, out. You've missed out on us talking about Foria. Um, Foria is a company <laughs> <laughs> that makes products that'll transform your sexual pleasure, especially, especially, especially if you have a vagina or you love someone that has a vagina. They're Products that are made to help women and people with vulvas fully experience their sexual pleasure, heightened orgasm, sexual comfort, because they use like CBD warming, sensation inducing botanicals. Euphoria has a ton of products, but we highly recommend the Awaken Arousal Oil and the Sex Oil. You can use them together and perfect combo. Perfect combo with a partner. Or, or with, solo, or as solo. the case may be. Yeah, yeah. Which you is also, know? that's also the perfect combo. Who needs a partner when you have a weekend arousal and Not sex me. oil? Yeah. I don't. 
ever again. Is that too forceful? Anyway, when I do, you know they're going to be introduced to my friends for you. Um, guys, just try it. If you haven't tried it, like, just try it. Just do it. It's do it so for worth it. Do it for your partner. Also, like... Just do it for yourself. And by the way, just throwing this out there, Foria is just like a really discreet packaging, really discreet bottles. You tuck it in your nightstand. No one's ever going to even bat an eye at like what you have in your nightstand. So if that has been the holdup uh, that's stopping you from giving it a try, don't I even mean, worry. TBH, TBH. Yeah. I did like almost mistake my Foria for my vitamin D oil that I <laughs> take orally. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's just like it's, very like chill looking, like almost like medicinal kind of like vibes. Yeah. It doesn't look like, it doesn't say like, um, like, did you ever have like a boyfriend who like bought lube? A and neon it's like, package. Yeah. It's screaming. like neon and it's like wet lube for sex. You know <laughs> what I mean? It's you're like, um, for uh, <laughs> is that's very, not the vibe. That's not the vibe. The packaging is chic. super discreet and chic and not large or overpowering. And you no. can just tuck it away. And it lasts for Guys, a really long time. I mean, it lasts forever. Yeah. Listen, you have our permission to try it. We fully endorse you to go ahead and treat yourself to more deeper, fuller pleasure wherever you can find it. And, and, as often as possible. And you can start with a bottle or two of Foria. Also, guys, great gift for any of your friends or your sisters or anyone that you love in your life. Foria is offering a special deal for our listeners. Get 20% off your first order by visiting foriawellness.com slash best or use code best at the checkout. That's Foria, F-O-R-I-A, wellness.com forward slash best for 20% off your first order. Listen, we recommend trying the Awaken Arousal Oil and the Sex Oil together. You're going to thank us. Meanwhile, I do have to say my friend just sent me this article from Esquire. Ashton Kutcher has been through it and I just wrote back, has he? <laughs> Oh okay. my god! Right. I mean, I think we need to like let's, you know what I mean, guys. Like, I let's mean, just I don't, take it down a notch. Yeah, I don't know what he's been through, but well, let's just find out. We he survived tabloid scrutiny. Okay, his own asshole behavior. Hmm. And more recently, oh, a harrowing medical scare. Okay, fine. All right. Now the actor turned investor, rich and happy at home, is making his return to Hollywood. So I mean. All Listen. right. What was the medical scare? What I don't know. I'm not going to read the article. You're not but like, read you know it? what I mean? Like, yeah. well, maybe I will. But I'm just saying, two of, lots of people have the medical scare, and also two of those things were <laughs> he brought on himself. Yeah. So, like, but the medical scare, like, I'm sucks. It, that yeah, sucks. I wish I've, the we, best. I've, me too. I wish the best for him. He's adorable. Um, speaking of medical stuff, your guy, Mr. Beast, did you see oh, what, what he did? What the fuck was that? No, what was that? I saw him on something and somebody was like, this is fucking insane. And I was like, 
honestly, I'm not, I can't even look. Well, here's what what I learned from Mr. Beast uh, from this video. You know, Mr. Beast is like this internet character, like a YouTuber. I've talked about him before, God. Just refreshing people's memories in case they haven't caught up. Um, A lot of kids, uh, young people, not kids, a lot of young people, a lot of people just love him. He does stunts, like these grand stunts. Um, Huge stunts. And he did the one, he did the thing, remember guys, I talked about, he like recreated um, Squid Game. Squid Games. Right, right. And people win a lot of money and he gives away all kinds of incredible stuff. And so, you know, people love it and he has a huge following. He cured, he he paid to cure 1,000 people of blindness because what I didn't know, according to this video, I haven't like fact-checked it or whatever, um, 50% of blindness worldwide is curable with a simple operation that's like 10 to 15 minutes long. If only they had the means to get the operation. That includes... Great. And like, let me, and let me just guess. Insurance doesn't cover it. I mean, I, I'm guessing since, you know, we, I'm familiar enough as like a citizen of the United States, I'm guessing some insurances cover it. Some don't. Some people don't have insurance at all, uh, you know, um, but worldwide, a lot of people don't have access to this surgery. So anyway, he did this video where he uh, took some people in the United States, also people throughout the world, and paid for a thousand people to have this operation. And he also donated a hundred thousand dollars so that they could do more operations. Um, and it was really interesting. I didn't, I did not realize that like such a significant portion of people who are legally blind, uh, it could be easily taken care of. I did not realize that at all. I had no idea. I had never heard that. And um, then some people were like, this is great. This is amazing. And Mr. Beast kind of like did a tweet, like, because I guess he was getting some heat for it, where he was like, people are like, people with a lot of money should spend their money to, you know, to help people. And then I do this thing and people are like, Mr. Beast is t- horrible. Uh, and so, you know, there's obviously criti- well, here's, criticism here's of it. Say. Here's what I'm going to say. I mean, do, are any of the thousand people bummed? That's a good question. That's a good question. Yeah, I mean, like, do they feel exploited or do they feel like it was right gross? Right. Because I mean, yeah, I would ask them. Yeah, I wouldn't. It like isn't actually up to anyone else to be the arbiter. If you don't like it, you don't have to watch it. Right. And I kind of agree with him. Like, I think that. Look, to be totally honest, most people do selfless, most people do like selfless acts or like seemingly selfless acts for selfish reasons. Right. Right. Whether or not they, I mean, this is like art friend-ish, you know, a Jace. Like whether or not you're looking for content for your YouTube page. Yeah. Or... It makes you feel like you're not a monster or you're trying to fill a hole in your soul because you never got enough love when you were a child. 
I don't fucking know. Or you just have like or this, you genuinely, world, this world view that you Right, that's what I'm spread. saying. Or you, yeah. or you genuinely are like, I want to do this thing. Like, fine. Yeah. People are, you're allowed to, you know, and yeah. and we do say that about billionaires. Right. And by the way, he's not a billionaire. But like, right. we do say all the time that the people who could really help kind of like do nothing. They right. just fly in their, like, especially the men, they just like, Fly in their little spaceships to space. To space and, you know, or, or ruining a social media platform. Or they, or they like, for, like, shits and giggles, like, yeah. purchase a social media platform and ruin it. But here's a dude who's, like, increasing. I will say I've noticed, because, you know, we've known I've, uh, Mr. Beast has been on the radar for many years from yeah. in my house. I have noticed, like, you know, from the early, early vids to now, he's like, it's definitely gone towards a direction where, like, even when it's, like, fun stuff, he still is trying to, like, get rid of money, give it to people who deserve it, adopt dog. Like, the one that he, like, where they, like, emptied the entire shelter, oh, the dog shelter. yeah, yeah. Maybe it, Maybe it was like a kill shelter. Yeah. They like basically went and like got every dog adopted. You know what I mean? Like, are they gimmicky and are they like getting views? A hundred percent. And like, it's kind of entertainment. Sure. Would I rather my children be watching entertainment of a guy helping people out in a way that's like fun yeah. And like, I mean, when we were I kids mean, compared to like what was on the internet when we were kids that people were watching for like, quote unquote, entertainment, it wasn't great. You know, I didn't have the internet when I was a kid. Well, when we were young, but like, you know, <laughs> a lot of not great stuff, a lot of harmful stuff. So well, there's I, still a lot of harmful stuff. Yes. I'm like, yes. I'm just saying like he really Mr. Beast specifically really appeals to young men. Yeah. And I know Cricket likes him, but that's, you know, Cricket's vibe is like a skater, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Always. No, um, yeah, I think if he's, but like, like, inspiring. Young kids, like, young boys. Yes. Like, my friend's two boys are obsessed with Mr. Yeah. Beast. They, like, went and waited in line four hours in New Jersey to meet him. Yeah. And I would just, guys, I don't know, much prefer this guy having the ear of young dudes yeah. Um, as opposed to an Andrew Tate or an Andrew Tate or yeah. I mean a number of other yeah. gamers who are yeah. misogynistic and gross and yeah. like bad. Yeah. And like, I don't know. I am still a fan. I yeah. think it's kind of rad. I think it's good. The one criticism that I was like, okay, I'll I'll give it is that they were like, you know, the video didn't touch on why this is the case, why so many people can't get this surgery. But I'm like, okay, then it's on you to, like, go and find that out. Like, it, it, like Mr. Beast isn't, like, an educational edutainment channel, you know? So then if you're curious right. he's about— He's not Bill Nye, the right. science guy. If he's, you're, like, a guy who's figured out how to make millions and millions of dollars on his videos on YouTube. Right. And he turns it around and gives away, like— a ton of it. A ton of it. So if you're curious about that, you're right on the internet. Go Look it up. Look up why people can't get this eye surgery. Then the argument that, like, this is, like, 
misery porn or whatever, you know, that, like, we shouldn't be watching these videos. They're not heartwarming. They're a problem. Well, I think that there's a case for both. Like, I think that it's the situation where someone can't get this surgery is not heartwarming. It's tragic and shitty. And yes, we should pay some attention to that. But the video itself of someone having the situation immediately relieved for them, that is heartwarming. And I'm glad that, like, those people didn't seem miserable, as you said, in that moment, having having this done. And also, Mr. Beast, without making... Without making content out of this stuff, he doesn't exist. He couldn't have accomplished this if he didn't. he couldn't have afforded right. to pay for if he wasn't all of it. a content creator. So that's just how he's doing it. Correct. Um, but anyway, uh, so that was interesting. And then a huge portion of my week was also consumed with another internet drama about what? The, the mascara. Do you know about this? No, what mask? Oh, my I do girl know Michaela, who I love, Michaela Nagara, TikToker, makeup mm-hmm. guru, mil- also millions of followers, also massively successful, did an ad for uh, you know because that's normal to do ads um, when you're an Honey, influencer. Come to my channel. Yeah, there you go. Um, and but she did a mascara advertisement where she was like, I can't believe this mascara is life changing, whatever, whatever. And people accused her of wearing falsies in the last shot. And so people have just been coming for her and coming for her. And it's really I never thought that I would witness such in-depth Zapruder film level dissection of uh a mascara scandal in my life, but it really, it's been, it's been a journey. So did, so did she wear fake eyelashes? (laughs) If I'm being honest, it did look to me like she might've had like a couple, at least a couple individual clumps glued in there. Maybe like, does she have, but does she have like extensions? She doesn't. Oh, and was the, is the claim that it was just all the mascara that like built the lash that long? Here's the weird thing, and not to get Zapruder level, Zapruder film level myself, it looked to me like she was wearing a couple individual lashes on one eye, and then on the other eye, not at all. And so I even wondered, was she trying to do a demonstration of like how good the one eye looked versus the eye that had like a few individual lashes glued on it, like that you could get as good a result almost? But then I'm like, I'm like really splitting hairs and, try, you know, I'm like, I'm trying to defend her. You're trying to make it make sense for you because you love her. Because I love her. Yeah. And, and I, also, I mean, I don't fucking know. Maybe it was just a mistake. Yeah. And as many people pointed out, and maybe you could shed some light on this, many people were like, I, I'm pretty sure the brand would have had to okay the video before she posted it. Well, listen, I have to every fucking time send those things. You saw my Hotel Tonight video yesterday on Instagram. My yes. hair is totally different. <laughs> um, and that is because most of these things are done a long time in advance. Right. And you have to get it approved. And even like just videos like Instagram stories and stuff... Yeah. Which reminds me, I told Christy, I would, um, my friend Christy Stryker, who's done my eyebrows for years, came out with like her own line of stuff this year, this week. 
And when I was in LA and I saw her, I did a video with her and yeah. I've been holding it. And then I totally forgot about it. And then she texted and was like, I hate to do this. <laughs> she, she posted that video. And I was like, yes. But then I forgot. <laughs> and then I forgot again. <laughs> well, write it down. Okay, just write it down. Now. But anyway, um, my heart goes out to Michaela because I don't think that her entire career should be ruined over this thing that like it just seemed like people were waiting for her to fuck up. And sometimes it's just like that. And I feel like I've been that girl. Not, I mean. I'm going to say, but that's what I'm going to say. Like, sometimes it's just like that. Sometimes you just fuck up. And like, but like, I guess it's all in the after, right? Like, I don't know. But also like the internet's so weird. And like, right. you never know what people Right. Are going to be like okay with. Right. And, like apology wise. I'm right. serious. Right. Like, no, I agree. And, like, I was so shocked. Oh, also, again, pop culture, guys. We're just talking about pop culture this week. But I have other things to say, too. Okay. I was truly floored that Louis C.K. sold out Madison Square Garden and played Madison Square. I could not fucking believe it. Were you? I saw that over the weekend. You were you are shocked by that? Well, I was shocked by a few things. Um, I was shocked by it because mm -hmm. I just... I didn't know he could do that before everyone knew he was a scumbag, mm. you know? Oh, yeah. Like, I didn't, I don't, I mean, a little bit, you have to understand, Casey. Like, I don't understand people going to, like, a stadium to watch someone do stand-up. Right, right. Like, to me, that seems unhinged. Yeah. <laughs> I would. I would argue that... He's probably better able to do it now than before. Well, that's what I was going to say because, right, because he's, like, done that weird thing, that leaning in. Did yeah. we discuss that it needs a name? <laughs> no, I don't know. I mean, like, leaning into your badness. Well, yeah. Did we talk about this? I don't Who think was I so. talking about this with? I don't know. Oh, Jenny Connor. Oh, okay. was like Was like, I feel like there needs to be a name when people try to embrace like, oh no, maybe it was Mark. Guys, I don't know who I was talking. I've talked to a lot of fucking people this week. Um, but someone in my life and yeah. I were talking about this where it's like, yeah. there needs to be a term. Like there's, there's cancel culture is a term, right? Yeah. There needs to be the term for people who actively seek out those who have been canceled and or accused of terrible behavior. Right. Support the become supporters based on that. Become, based based on the fact that they're terrible people. Based on the right. fact that they're like horrible, despicable of like people. Yeah. There's like a whole thing now. I mean, and I was like, it's like a the deplorable defenders or whatever. And they're like, Ew. right, right. My Whoever it was, Mark, Jenny, whoever it was, didn't love that pitch. <laughs> but I'm like, I don't know. I like, I actually don't know, but it is an interesting yeah. thing because it's like, and I wondered if there had been any sort of like psychological, like 
you know, Psychology Today articles or like, have there been any articles about the psychology of that thing? Yeah, about how everyone who's ever done anything despicable, even like just regular people are now basically like celebrities to those people. Like a Kyle Rittenhouse or, you know. I mean, a Kyle Rittenhouse, who we've talked about way too much today. Right. Fuck that guy. Ew. Gross. But like, fucking hate that guy. He probably makes a living off of being who he is. And oh, for sure. And he like, and he definitely embraces it. Right. right? Like, oh, he's 100%. Like, yes. Mm-hmm. He's like, has a whole, you know, he's a little media machine. It's deeply upsetting. But yeah. We do need a name for it. But yeah, I would, but I what would, what kind of name would it even be? I don't know. We can just call them. It's really flies because they like go to shit. To shit. (gasps) (laughs) (laughs) That is the fucking best. They're flies. Oh, Louis C.K. has got a bunch of flies. Fuck yes, Casey. You nailed it. Oh, my gosh. That was, that was, yeah, that was surprising. I mean, it wasn't surprising to me. It surprised me a little bit because it's New York City. But then I'm like, no, because it doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. People don't fucking care. And there's like, so you have everyone. You have everyone that was originally a fan that felt kind of creepy about it but was just, like, waiting it out until they felt like it was okay to, like, go back to liking him. Whatever. I liked his jokes at one point, and then right. I heard what a fucking garbage person he was behind the right. scenes. And then you have and people I that... like, oh, I don't, I don't need that. Right. Then you, you know? have people that became fans, like, based on, you know, feeling like he was being persecuted. And then you have people who are, like, you know... Also kind of, well, I guess it kind of fits the first category where people are like, he's paid enough for his sins. And so, like, it's time to move on or whatever. And I'm like, but I don't, he didn't really pay anything. And also, like, have the people that he victimized been able to move on? Like, that's the most important. But nobody cares. Nobody cares. And that is, uh, you know, also, also sickening. Well, the flies don't give a shit. The flies don't. they're like, they the love flies, to be down in that shit. Flies don't give a shit. Flies don't give a shit. And then, um, yeah, I mean, you know. What else? Marie Kondo said she kind of gave up on being neat since she has three kids and people are, like, coming for her as well. And I'm like... Guys, everybody cool it. Calm down. All she said was, like, just fucking straighten up your house and get rid of the stuff that you don't want. She didn't. She never, like, came into your house and set your books on fire. Calm down. Of course she's giving up on being tidy a little bit. She has three kids. And I bet that her house is uh, 50 billion D times tidier than mine is. I At also this just moment, think... I also just think Marie is fucking rad for even saying that. Yeah. Because do you know how many people would be like, I, I do still keep it tight. I keep it. <laughs> so anything that doesn't spark joy is out. And she's yeah. like, no, actually, guess what? Upon reflection. Yeah. I've let things slide. I have three kids. Life's hard. They have toys. I, they, I work a lot. Right. There's toys. Shit. And I, and I, now I understand a little bit more. And instead of people just being like, 
that's kind of amazing for a person to be able to admit that, you know, maybe their view was a little bit narrow yeah. before yeah. they had a different experience in their life yeah. and it changed their view of their job and the thing that they promote, which is like organization and cleanliness and getting rid of stuff. And it's not like she's saying she's like throwing it all away. She's just like, it's not as easy as I thought, it, you right. know, it with the three kids. Right. Instead, people are like, ha ha, fucking idiot. Like, what is wrong with everyone? It's wild. And here- Marie Kondo, I still love you. And I have never gotten rid of one thing. Exactly. Exactly. And I love her. I love her. It's but like I'm just such like, a calming it, show. And listen, yes. it is good for your soul to purge things, I believe. And if 100%. you don't believe that, if you want to save every book you ever touched, every book you ever laid eyes on, and eventually die being crushed by your piles of books that you love so much, great. Do that. I'm, I'm not mad at you. I'm not going to make you give those books away but like all, by the same token you have to calm down about people that don't keep every book that they've ever laid eyes on people that arrange their books by rainbow order settle down on that as well it's like no sweat yeah, what's it to fucking you it's no sweat off your boobs what people do with their books Marie Kondo never showed up and uh forced someone to organize their house via knife point, you know, but via knife point, by knife point either. But or via. Via. And then people are like, oh, but she cashed in. She had all these organizational tools. Here's a point I would like to make. I watched every episode of Marie Kondo's show because it is very calming. And I, too, didn't clean my house ever after watching a show, was never that inspired to clean my house. So that's how casual it all was. But she was not making people go out and buy all these containers and things to organize things like so many shows do. She was showing people how to cut down cereal boxes and detergent boxes and everything to organize their drawers. So yes, did she sell some things at like the container store or whatever if you want like a super fancy thing in your drawers? Yes, everybody does that. But also you could have done it with detergent and cereal boxes like she always said to do on the show. Everybody's wrong about Marie Kondo who doesn't like her and they need to settle down and not go so hard on this woman who... On a woman yes. who has like built a business... And had and was good at it, yeah. And then was able to admit her own short sightedness in terms of when you have multiple children, it's real fucking hard. It's not as easy, clean. yeah. And then one day they'll be twelve, and like her house will go back to being, you know, oh shit, whatever. Or anyway. it'll be whatever it'll be. It doesn't matter. Like I just am like, I think it's like. Gotta, I think when people go so hard on Marie Kondo, it says a lot about them and nothing about Marie. That I I know we say that we say that a lot. Like when people when people say that, it's about them and not about you. Mm -hmm. But it's never been more true than in the case of Marie Kondo. People that are like you're just you're just spitting up your own issues all down the front of your own shirt. When you go so hard on Marie Kondo and everyone can see it and you should just, just reflect, you know? I think you should take that moment, instead of tweeting it out, you should just take that moment for yourself. Yeah. And reflect. I think that's actually 
the most valuable advice, Kate. Just get on with your lives. Just get on with your life. With your with Just, your as many books as you want. You know what? Exactly. <laughs> I I have multiple copies of the same book. Me too. Listen. And no one ever, no one ever made me. I don't me. care. No, here's I'm what, not. Here's what I, have, I will I've say. Had, I've, hor- I've hired professional organizers. And, and I'm it's like, still the same. Sure you need two of these? Yes. And I'm like, I do. I actually do. Thank you. Here's what I will say. Based on the backlash to Marie Kondo's uh, announcement to her revelation, I feel like you and I should pitch a show where we go to people's houses and put tons of stuff in them. Because people apparently love shit and they love having so much shit that they don't have enough shit. And like, so maybe that's, you know, and maybe we can sell shit in the container store that doesn't even really do anything. And people will be like psyched about it because well, we can sell shit to hold the other shit. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But not actual shit like Louis CK. Y- yes. Different, ty- different category of shit. We're not flies. Yeah. No, no, no we're a, not flies. It's a no fly zone over here, but I think that, uh, yeah, maybe that's like a like a little show that we could do where we're just like, hey, we know you love stuff. Uh, we brought you 100% more stuff. It's You won't even know what you have because we're going to shove so much stuff in your house. Happy? Um, yeah. I love stuff. I do, too. You know what I, I talk? You know I've always loved stuff, though. Yeah. Stuff reminds me of things. I yes. have like I have stuff here from childhood. Yeah, I have I, stuff here from last week. Yeah, I love. <laughs> I, I, I love stuff here stuff. from today. I did buy something new. What did you buy? Well, Casey, I realized that like you know here in Casa Kismet. Yeah. When I'm sitting here at this desk, I realized this when we were doing press for our live shows, guys. Because we have a live show on Friday in San Francisco. Have you gotten your tickets yet? It's Are you the, coming? It's at the Palace of Fine Arts in San Francisco. And then we're going to be in Boston at another theater. The Wilbur. The Wilbur. And then we're going to be at the NJ Pack on February 11th. Um. Anyway, the point being. We want you to come. We do want you to come. We want but you we were to. Doing, we were doing some press last week for the show. And so I'm yeah. here, Casa Kiz. And I was like kind of putting makeup on. I didn't realize that those were on camera, I guess. I didn't read that email. You know mm. me. Yeah. yeah. And to be fair, Kirsten had just started. So yeah. now we would be on it. On top of it. Um, But I realized I don't have like a little mirror at this desk okay. here to like, put on, slap on some mascara, sure. whatever, some lipstick. And I was just kind of like using my phone, which is never the best. It doesn't really work. It's like something's off. It's too Black Mirror-y, you know? It's like too Black Mirror-y. It's not right. Yeah, you shouldn't use a video feed to, Mm-mm. yeah, to try to do anything. So anyway, there was this little mirror on anthropology that I liked. Oh, I love that. Bought it. It looks like a little hand holding a mirror. So cute. And I purchased it so I can look at my little face and put on makeup if need be. I, for instance, right now I don't have any makeup on, but I don't need to put makeup on because we're just it's just you and me. It's just us chickens. Yeah. I do have makeup on. I don't know why. 
Some I listen. Mean, you know what? Sometimes it makes you feel nice. I just put it on. You know. Yeah. Sounds great. Yeah. I might put on that brow gel that I was talking about. Do it. Do it. Um, yeah. What else is happening? Oh, here's a cute thing. Our friend Seth Rudetsky, who mm-hmm. did our QVC special with us, mm-hmm. he had a real moment this week. It won't mean anything to you, I don't think, Busy, but I think you'll also appreciate it, is that the show, The Last of Us, which is really popular right now, everybody's talking about it. Um, it's kind of like a zombie invasion show, but the... It's based on a video game, and the twist is that the the people are zombies because of, like, mushrooms. Like, they have internal mushrooms and not in a good way. Um, but there was a really moving episode this week, I believe, episode three, um, and which featured Nick Offerman, who I love so much. I just – he's such a kind person. And Murray. Uh, I think. Yes, and Murray Bartlett who is in everything now. Literally every show I watch right now has Murray Bartlett from season one of The White Lotus. He was like the manager of the hotel. But, Fucking um, genius. Yeah, he's, he's so genius. He's, he's genius. also been working for literally a million years. Yeah, so he's, I'm so... He's, he like had been in everything. You yes. just didn't really know it. Yes. And but he's, he's in really he's in everything that I'm currently watching, and he's so fantastic in everything. But anyway, um, this week they had a really great episode uh, starring those two gents, and uh, it sort of like went off the path of like the the story. It was like you know, it was an I've I've heard it was I've an, heard. an outlier like a bottle episode, like a so. bottle episode, but even featuring like uh, different characters than the main characters. So we had uh, Nick Offerman and Murray Bartlett, but the reason Seth is having a moment is because the episode hinges around the Linda Ronstadt song, Long, Long Time. Do you know that song? And I think I'm gonna love you. No. For a long, long time. Anyway, um, the showrunner uh, gave this interview to Vulture where he was talking about the process of the show. And he said that, and, you know, I don't think this is a spoiler alert, but if you're super scared of spoilers and you haven't watched it yet, hit pause and go watch it. Um, he said that he was looking for a song that could be played on piano both really badly and excellently and he couldn't he was researching all these songs and he couldn't think of anything and he was like i know i'm gonna text my friend seth rudetsky so he texted seth and said i need a song that's about like just longing like pain over love and um that can be played on piano both badly and very well and he said 30 seconds later seth was like long long time by linda ronstadt that's your song and so the guy listened to the song and um was like yes this is it like seth is like seth is like he is like Shazam. He's like an encyclopedia of music. He just knows everything. And so anyway, um, that was the that was the title of the episode and um and the song was pivotal and everyone is just going nuts for this episode of TV. And I think I read that um 
Long, long time by Linda Ronstadt, like is getting streamed like, like number one on Spotify. It's like, yeah, sure, it's sure. like a real like it's Kate, like Kate Bush, a Kate yeah. Bush moment again. And I know, I believe that Linda Ronstadt is like she's getting on in years, and I believe that she has um, some health issues. So anyway, I just hope that she's, um, I hope that she's able to feel how much people love that song. She's so great. I have such a soft spot in my heart for her because she certainly can on shows that I worked on and she was always like really delightful and I always um would get so excited because my dad dug Linda Ronstadt so much and my dad was such a music snob so if he like was into someone that wasn't the Beatles like I really paid attention and um so it made me so happy to be able to report back to my dad that Linda Ronstadt was like a gem and so sweet and uh and that is not her only banger I'm gonna recommend if you're not super familiar with Linda Ronstadt I'm gonna recommend to everyone to go check her out biz I think you would like dig almost everything she ever did in her life. I mean, I have definitely heard Linda Ronstadt before, but I'm not uh I'm not well versed. So I'm gonna I'll do a little bit of a deep dive. I'm gonna recommend I'll get in there. Long Long Time is a heartbreaker. It's it's such a heartbreaker. But I'm gonna also recommend that you personally check out Blue by You. Um that I just think that you will love it and you'll um want to sing it. Okay. Well, we do have those live shows coming up. Maybe. Who knows? Who knows? Or maybe maybe there'll be some other song that speaks to you. But yeah, Linda Ronstadt deserves the shine. And, uh, and also Seth does too. I was so happy to see him name-checked. Okay. So this, is, this brings up a sad thing that then was also a thing that I was like, oh my goodness. But I don't know. And I, it's like, I don't know. I'm just going to say it. And then you'll tell me if it's like not kind and we should take it out. Okay. But you know... Um, that Cindy Williams yes. passed away. Yeah. Um, Laverne from Laverne and Shirley, guys. And she's yes, amazing. Shirley, Shirley Feeney from Laverne and Shirley. And lots of people were posting just like memories of her, how kind she was, people who had worked with her or whatever, you know, people yeah. who were friends with her, or just were fans. You posted about her. Yes. You loved her. Yes. Big fan. And she was always kind to you. Um, so Nancy Myers. Do you follow her on Instagram? I don't follow her on Instagram. Okay, so Nancy Myers, guys, is the, like, woman who's the director and writer of, like, lots of those movies. If you don't know. I'm just going to explain ever it as seen if a, you don't know. A movie but, with a grand kitchen. And Diane Keaton. Yeah, and Diane. Like, any of those, any of those movies, like, like Something's Gotta Something's Give. Something's Gotta Give, yeah. Like, um, um... Almost made it or whatever. <laughs> you know, like I love like, that you have like um we you just invented a ca- a fun category of coming up with fake Nancy Myers <laughs> movies. Yeah, like um cooking it up, you know, whatever. Baby boom, like, father of the bride. Yeah, exactly. Okay. What women want. She, she posted this thing. I guess they were friends, but she posted this thing that was like, what many people don't know is that it was actually Cindy's idea to reboot. Father of the Bride. She was watching the original and she called me and was like, this, you've got to remake this and you should do it this way. And like, you know, she never asked for credit or anything, a rarity in Hollywood. And I was like, bitch, you made four billion fucking dollars on Father of the Bride and Father of the Bride 2, throw her some fucking credit. And then she dies. And you're like, what, what most people don't know is that it was all her idea. It wouldn't have happened without her. Nobody would know if you had never- no one would. But like, but like, on, am I, 
Am I just being an asshole? But like, she's saying it in this way. Like, it's it feels like she's so unaware of the fact that she's like outing herself as a as the fucking Hollywood asshole. Because like, you know what I'm saying? Because Cindy, I'm not saying she is. I don't know. No, her. no. Yeah, we don't know. But like, you have to understand that like Cindy Williams, for as like iconic as she was, she didn't she didn't act in a lot of things and and like being the star of a show back in the 70s and 80s like it didn't make you rich rich the way like the cast of friends became rich rich you know so i'm going to have to guess that like Cindy Williams's financial situation versus Nancy Myers is probably very different i don't know but i'm guessing that they were but i think like maybe you know what i think that Nancy Myers sees everything. I'm just, I don't know Nancy Myers, but I'm thinking that she sees everything through a very gauzy romantic lens in real life as well as in in film. Okay, I'm just gonna read, I'm gonna read it. Yeah, read it. So sad to hear about Cindy Williams. What few people know is that it was Cindy's idea to remake Father of the Bride. She told me she was watching the Spencer Tracy version on TV one night, and she thought it would be a great movie for me to remake, and she made it happen. She changed the course of my life and many others with that idea. She never took credit for being responsible for that. Pretty unusual in Tinseltown with a heart. And I'm like, but why didn't you give her credit until she died? Oh, my gosh. Am I I wrong? I don't. Um, I just, I'm such a credit bitch, guys. This is the perfect intersection of things for me, right? Yeah. Like, and everyone's like, oh, that's how humility works, Nan. Good good of you to honor her in this way. Thank you for sharing this story. Hearts, she seemed like a wonderful person. What a legacy. Wow, I had no idea. Love that you're giving her credit and supporting others. Oh, my God. It's so interesting. Because, like, she, Cindy Williams wasn't in Father of the Bride, was she? She didn't even, like, get a role. She didn't write the screenplay. Maybe she had no interest. Maybe she didn't want to. But who knows? Who knows? Maybe do do people do this to you all the time? People do because I'm a writer. Like someone's dad will always like tell me a joke and then be like, "You can use that one. It's free. You can take that one for your for your sketch skits sketches." And I'm like, okay. So (laughs) maybe Cindy Williams was like, "You can use that one, Nan. You can you can take this idea and run with it." She probably did. To be fair, she probably totally did. Yeah. But also, like, Father of the Bride was, like, a massive hit. And it does seem wild that, like, she never mentioned it in any press. Like, what most people don't know. Like, I just can't even imagine doing the press tour where you're not like, oh, my God, my friend Cindy Williams, the actress, called me up and was like, Nan, you got to do it. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like. I it is I know this is like this is my thing obviously. Right. I know this is my trauma. Right. Little right. T trauma guys. Little T Little trauma. trauma. But, like yes. trauma about not getting credit for an idea for work that I've done in this right. business as a woman, as an actress, right. blah 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 blah. Right. But like truly it is that is I mean yeah. So I'm I'm like coming at it from my credit bitch mentality but like it just made me kind of like, yeah. Like, oh, wow. Oh, interesting. Okay. 
it is wild. It is interesting, huh? I wonder. Ooh. I wonder. We'll never know. We'll never know if Cindy Williams was like, "What the fuck?" No, because she waited until. No, I know, After but she had passed but, like, away. Cindy Williams <laughs> knew that the Father of the Bride movie got got made. Like, I wonder if she was ever like, "What the fuck?" Like, I could have been the mom in it. I could have been the aunt. I could have been something, or just like something, or like or you could have just talked about it in, in press <laughs> story. But I don't know, or like a story credit. But maybe she didn't want it. I don't know. But that's so interesting. That's so, let me just say this. If I ever, to any of our friends listening, if I ever give you an idea, I do want credit and I do want to get well, hired. Well, I guess that comes, yeah, I guess that comes back to just let, let's make it about like us because that's what this podcast is. We want credit, guys. Yeah, we I, would would like, like credit. I would like to get some money We'd or like some credit. A credit or to be hired mm-hmm. to work on it. I mean, Correct. I've had that experience before where something like kind of, Big was based on, like, an idea that I had, and I was told that, like, I was gonna, you know, fucking work on it, and then couldn't get anyone to take my calls. That thing then failed miserably, which I believe is, like, a karmic, you know, debt that the people suffered for for what they did, but, you know. Well, it's really because you're a witch. Let's be <laughs> but, I, you know, I mean... It's it's interesting. Karma's my boyfriend too, Casey. You know what I mean. <laughs> Call it what you will: witchcraft, witchery, karma. Whatever it is, you wanna, what it is. Whatever you want to call if it. If you fucking cross us, you better fucking watch your back. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> Should we uh, talk to our guest? Yeah, he is just delightful. Uh, I'm very excited to see his new movie and make out to it. <laughs> yes, you'll but understand. I gotta. That. I gotta you're going to understand that and more after our interview with actor extraordinaire Adam Pally. So Casey. Yes. Listen. On my little board of things of like things my that I'm planning to do in 2023. My vision board if Your you will. Your vision board. Get back into regular meditation. And I was like, how am I going to make this happen for myself? And then guess what? Did you get open? I got open. Uh, I think it's such a good goal for 2023. And open makes it so easy to meditate every day. Well, they have this thing called our daily meditation, which is new. It's like a new thing that they have on the app. It's part wisdom, part practice. And it's kind of just amazing. Uh they also like have an emphasis on music that enhances the breath work, Love which that. is incredible. Um, and here's what, for me, why I put that on my like 2023 wishes for myself. Yeah. Uh, because I noticed that when I make it a priority to take that 10 minutes, five minutes sometimes if I have it, like right. 20 minutes if I've got that to do this meditation, I just feel like more grounded, more centered. Right. Guys, we really, really like it. Open is a mindfulness app that is built to transform your life. And it combines breath work and meditation and sound and movement. 
and it strengthens your mind-body connection. Join us on Open. Use our code for 30 days. Go to www.withopen.com slash best to sign up. You're going to get 30 days for free when you go to withopen.com slash best. Base. Give me that base. Guys, I've been seeing so much bass in airports. Me too. Oh, bass is having a moment, honey. Yes. Get your bass. Well, that's why you keep seeing it. It's because they are legitimately really great bags. Everything you need, nothing you don't. And they just work really well. I mean, honestly, my favorite thing, the Weekender bag, I cannot tell you enough to get this bag. I love the separate shoe compartment. Yeah, so my shoes don't get my clothes dirty. They fit down there. I also love that it was created by an actress, Shay Mitchell. We love a pivot, Shay. Yes, Shay. Shay, who's like, I am traveling a lot for work and I hate all of this luggage. So you know what? I'm going to make my own. And she did. And it's brilliant. It's and it's beautiful. really thoughtfully designed and chic. They've got a built-in weight indicator, washable bags for your dirty clothes, 360-degree gliding wheels, a cushioned handle. Come on. The, Guys. The way that rolly bag rolls is so, like, I'm the person that always looks like an idiot in the airport because my rolly bag, it's like driving a stick shift or something. But it, this, has a, it has a mind of its own. A mind of its saying. own. Used to. Used yes, to. Yes. And so this base bag just wheels along no problem and stands up to everything. And I just feel so much cooler, to be honest. The, the luggage comes in multiple sizes and colors. Um, and like I said, for shorter trips, guys, get that Weekender bag. It is my fave. Right now, Base is offering our listeners 15% off your first purchase by visiting basetravel.com slash best. That's basetravel.com slash best, B-E-I-S, T-R-A-V-E-L dot com slash best for 15% off your first purchase. Go to basetravel.com slash best. Oh my gosh, I'm so happy to have you here. I swear I walked past you last week, I think. And I was like maybe crying and... It was downtown. Oh yeah, you totally could have. I was. Um, I went to dinner with a uh, my cousin last week, um, down there at this like f- new French restaurant. It was called Frenchette. My cousin works in fashion. Oh yeah. Oh, I tried to go there with someone last week too. That's funny, but we did. I didn't get a reservation, <laughs> so I didn't go. Yeah, we 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 didn't get a reservation either. We went to the bar for like an a, a unneeded amount of time, like two hours waiting at the bar. But it's like, you know, when you no. see your cousin, it's like, I knew I was going to see my cousin. So it was like, it's, it's fine. It's, it's like, I'll take the time. And, and I had the, the night away from the kids it was fine. Uh, but we ended up eating at like 11. It was one of those like New York. Oh, that's, I would you know, be asleep. Like, yeah. I was, I was a goner. I was a total goner. 
Um, but uh, you definitely might have walked by me. <gasps> I at think like we walked by 7, each other. I 7 p.m. I was like lost a little because I was like, is this on Varric or or is this on like I don't know where I was and I was wearing like a trench coat and it was like blowing in the wind behind me. I feel yeah, like. and it was like I was like really bundled up and I had mm-hmm. like my hair was like all back and I looked I like actually looked like a crazy person. I think no, so. Come on. No. Yeah. Come on. No, I really busy. think so. I think so. I think so. I think, so. I think you probably looked like busy Phil. People would have been like, oh, busy Phillips. Oh, she's not happy today. She's going through something. <laughs> she's in I it. have to say, it is a weird thing about living here because I lived in LA for so many years. Like, you really do just have all of your emotions on the street. Yeah. It's, you don't have that, that buffer of the car to be like, um, upset. I notice it the most with my kids. Like, when I like take my kids to school or something, they'll be like being horrible, and you you can't like react the way you would in L.A. because in L.A. you'd be like, get in the fucking car, get in the car, <laughs> right? And then you get, in the, you know what I mean? And then you get them in the car and you'd be like, you know, do your parent thing. But like in New York, you have to be like, I had a fight with my daughter the other day. I was like, put your jacket on. She's like, no, and she was just like holding it. She's like, and I was like, put your jacket on. And she was like, no. <laughs> and and it was like in the middle of the street. And I was like, oh, God, this is going to be horrible. Like, not only the other parents going to see me, like, arguing with a nine-year-old girl about wearing a jacket. But, like, God forbid someone walked by and was like, whoa, Adam Pally's freaking out. And his daughter, like, yeah. it's like, and I wasn't. I was just like. It's so hard to get a nine-year-old girl to put on her jacket. <laughs> no kidding. Well, you it's know, like I, have, most... I actually have a nine-year-old girl as well, and it's weirdly impossible. It's impossible. She's, it's like why are they are they going through like is it a kind of menopause that happens like before period? Yeah. May I, op- I may I offer? Um, yeah, Please, I didn't. Anything. I didn't have girls. But when my kids were that age, they refused to wear jackets as well. And I'm from the let them learn school of parenting. I was like, yeah. well, I've done that with cricket, you know but like, to be honest, she never puts it on. Yeah. And then she just gets yeah. a stuffy nose. Well, you can't that's, get a stuffy I, nose I, from being cold. That's from something else. I think that's not it's right. It's not. I, I also, I, I also <laughs> am wary. And this, this is my own thing. And my wife will, 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 will would admonish me for it, uh, which is true. But I, I also feel pressure from the other parents. Yes. Well, of course. So like, like, and I do think they they judge us and I do think they're extra hard on us. Yes. But like, I will like, if, if, if Gigi's not putting on her jacket, uh, another parent will like, this is New York city. They have no problem being like, it's cold out. You might want to button up. Yeah. So but, you know, like on the walk by, can I and ask you're like, you a question? Ugh. If another parent says it, will she put her jacket on or will she say no to no, that parent? She give a Fuck about that you you know what? I like this girl because yeah, when she's come on later, yeah, she won't she won't put her jacket on now. She won't put her jacket on now. But when she's thirteen and someone's like, "You might want to shoplift something with me," she will also say no. God, I hope so. Or she's the one that's like, you know, if you shoplift, you get it for free. (laughs) Maybe. I just think I like a strong-willed kid because it means that they're their own person. And I used to tell myself this, too. Every time my kid is like, oh, no, I'm not doing that to me. 
that means that when they're older, they'll say to somebody, oh, no, I'm not doing that. That's trying to like someone that's trying to pressure them into doing something. I love your I love and appreciate your optimism. And I'm going to stick with that in my head from now on when my daughter is like shivering outside of a school building, holding a down jacket. I'll tell you what. Like, I'll tell you. Holding the answer. Yes, it, it's you know. so painful to watch. It's painful to watch a kid go through anything, especially something they're putting themselves through. But my kids are. Are yeah. 23 and 20 now. We live in LA and wow, you made you made so, it. We, I mean, so far, knock wood, but we live in LA and those <laughs> fuckers wear jackets every day. Every day they have a jacket on. They love jackets now. Well, I do think, um, yeah, it does change. How is she, wait, is your is she your oldest? You guys have no, three, right? We have three. We have boy, girl, boy. We had Irish twins in LA, and then when we moved <laughs> back to New York, your wife is a your wife is a is like a, a dream. Like <laughs> she's a, she is a dream. She's a hundred percent. So cool and like uh, wow. We had Irish twins in LA, and then we decided. Then I I did a play. Um, which I never thought I would do, but I, it ran here for a long time. So we we came back here for six months and then all our family was here and the kids really liked it. And we were like, you know what, let's just stay. And then we had a baby and it was a, it was a nightmare. Cute. It was a oh, nightmare. Three babies. <laughs> yeah, like a third little baby in New York City, unexpected is like... Yes. You kind of, like your brain splits open. You're just like, oh my God. Yeah. How also am I though, to- I remember when I first moved here and I ran into you and I had like finagled and managed to get my kids into school that was around yeah. the corner from my house. Yes. And you were like, amazing. oh, I have three different drop-offs that are all in different Still places do. and different Still neighborhoods. Do. And I was like, what are you doing? And you're like... It's just how I do it. Ugh. That's the way it goes. You know, you have one kid who has one need, and so you go sure. get them into that school. And then you have another kid who has another need, so you bring them to that school. And then you have one kid who you forgot you had to enroll into school, so you got to <laughs> get them into any <laughs> any school you can. And then you find yourself for the last four years um, on the West Side Highway for the majority of your life. <laughs> but you know what, like, it could be worse. I, I I truly enjoy that experience. Um, I mean, I wish I was working, but I enjoy that experience. <laughs> <laughs> well, you work. You work all the time, Adam. You're never not working. What are you talking no, about? I also, work, you I have work. your like, you have your fun show. Yeah, is that what yeah, you call yeah. it? You call it your fun show. Are you still doing it? One hundred and one places to. I. I am what is it? it? What's it called? Tell me what I, it's called again. It's called one hundred and one places to party before you die. With um, John Gabriel, the amazing John Gabriel. John He's an old friend of mine. He's, we have to get him on the podcast. Busy. He's a dream too. Oh, he is the gr- the greatest dude. I want to go uh, party somewhere before I die. Yeah, me too. <laughs> um, did you listen? Kind of, did you just come up with the idea so that you could like? spend some weekends away from the kids and like just go party with your friend? You know what? Like it's, it's, it's totally an honest question. And, and no, I mean, I, it, that was a benefit of the idea. It worked out (laughs) that way, but no, there was a book. There was oddly a book that we found one day. We were like bumming around the Grove and there was a book Call 101 Places to Party Before You Die. And it was like a dude's photos. You know, it was like, <laughs> you know, it was like tongue in cheek and a little cheesy. Yeah. And it was like, yeah. you know, here are the 101 places that you got a party before you die. And then it had like, you know, how to guides of like, make sure you don't gamble too hard your first night in Vegas because you'll have no money for the back of the weekend. It's like, man, okay. But we, uh, 
we were like, this is kind of a funny way to get us doing bits. Right. Like, did and, you watch like Dave Attell's like whatever that, what was that show? Well, I, all I night loved, or whatever I back loved, in, it was yeah, not I when we were that kids. Show. Yes. David Tell, I, I forget what it was called, but no, the, the, the that was a, an influence. The main, the main influence for us was the trip. Uh, right. With Steve Coogan and uh, Rob Brydon, which is like a, love that oh, I love that movie so much. The greatest, and like we we used to when we were you know broken and touring like you know colleges and and cruise ships, we would talk about how much we love that movie and do bits like that. And so we were like, what if we could do that in America? And then what we found was that um, we drink so we drink so hard to so much. <laughs> That you can't really do it in America. It like the restaurants don't even allow you to do it in America because Wait. the waiter is like, "Are you ready for more alcohol?" Like there is no time. So we were like, "This is kind of funny," and so we we kind of were like, "What if we just did the trip?" But ended up like wasted the whole time. <laughs> That's fantastic. And it worked out, and it, and worked, it worked out. out. It's, really heart, it's really heartwarming and warm, and like uh, you don't see a lot of like male friendship. That's um, positive like uh i feel like our relationship is not a lot of like roast we don't like roast each other which is something that like yes i'm so grateful for that like you guys i don't understand how that became like i guess i'm i I do i do understand busy and i feel like you and i are part of the of the responsibility for that because in the early aughts like we were on television shows that that was the whole thing right it was like how do you express friendship was like you razz everybody Right. Like, I don't really do that with my friends. I'm not really like, like, what up, ugly? Like, you know, like that. It just seems it's like. I don't think seems, that the people that are like really roasting their friends do that either. I don't think it's don't like, know, what up, ugly? But it's, but, but that's the truth of, but that's the truth of the matter, right? Like, no. even if you, if, even if you make a joke about it and you're like, how you're having a tough time with the ladies last night, handsome. It's like, what you're saying is you're ugly. Right. So it's like, I don't know. It just was never the way that me and my my friends, like, uh, joked with each other. So we were like, let's not do that. And then it became just, like, um, really fast-paced uh, jokes about, like, everything else. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. No, I know what you mean. I mean, I just... Casey and I have talked about this so much. Like, I prefer at this moment in time, especially after the last several years that we've all had. Yes. That like, there's something just really nice about being earnest and. Yeah. A gentler hand. It is, but you can also be really fucking funny. You yes. Know? You don't I don't, have I don't to think. Be, yeah. It's no, not like I don't you think lose they're mutually, everything. Yeah. I think that got lost too. It's like you, people, comedy now feels like you're either on this one side of it. That's like the like, I don't give a fuck what anybody thinks. I'll say what I want. I'm a truth teller. Or the other side of it, which is like, I will do this joke, but I want to make sure that it is not offending everybody. And so it's like, there's got to be some sort of, like, uh, you know, lane for the people that don't think about either. Right. 
you know, that are like. <laughs> that's you. That's your comedy. I mean, I've been a comedy writer for a really long time, and I certainly have participated in my fair share of like, you know, writing something that roasts someone on someone else's behalf. Of course. Um, because that's course. how you had to make a living at one time. But I have also worked for really, really gentle people, and I have learned that I can never, I don't think I can ever fully enjoy someone who makes their bones, like, on roasting someone, because I never trust yeah. them not to turn on me. You know what I mean? I just, I can't. And it, and it will. It will. It always does. And, like, that's that's part of a roast, right? It's like, we all take turns on everybody, and then... And then I'll do it on myself. It's like, well, all, we're all just like hitting each other. Exactly. You know? but right. But it like- does seem like the roast, but like to your point, Adam, like it seems like that culture is about a couple of things. It's about being ugly and then challenging like traditional ideas of masculinity. Mm-hmm. Your dick is small. Yeah, you no. can't get it up. You can't fuck. And gay then panic. on the other gay yes. pa- gay, gay panic. panic. It's like it's all like it's arm. literally like all the worst things. And then on the other side of it, like I just read my friend Lisa Guerrero's book, who is a the NB like she was the NFL. She was the first female NFL sideline reporter for Whoa. one year for Monday Night Football, and it is like literally horrifying <laughs> yeah, what yeah. she was subjected to but like and this was what like a great movie same- get get the rights get the rights <laughs> well she won I mean I've already listen I gotta be honest with you, I love what her what a great and I've role already, Busy, I've what said, a great I've, role for you well she's I'm I'm not Latina so we're gonna like Gina Rodriguez would be amazing she's oh, well, gonna go, you mean, know like it's like Ed, Gina but, Rodriguez Emma, Emma Stone the list goes on and on <laughs> Uh, sure, it does. See, it just really a does. light roast of Emma Stone based on you know <laughs> that's situational. But, that's situational. <laughs> but like with women too I'm a in roasts. I'm a hypocrite. No, that actually no. was like a co- that, that was wasn't. a weird roast compliment because it was based on you know something like a judgment call that Emma Stone has made. You're also saying like she's such a good actress that maybe they'd let her do it one more time. You know, <laughs> well, yeah, it's not like I'm like, yeah, well, first of all, I think they would. I think honestly, like Emma Stone, Emma Stone is so in demand. Yeah. That I think that sure, I think yeah. the studios would go like, you, you want to play Black Panther. Right, right. Exactly. Okay. All right. <laughs> Let's call Cameron Crowe and write it up. She's married to, a, isn't she married to a comedian? She seems like she's got a good sense. She of does have a good sense I have, of humor. I don't know who she's married to. I do know she's from Arizona mm. because I, I feel I'm like no I've longer seen her. the I, most famous person from famous Arizonian. Arizona. Are yeah. you where in Arizona? Busy. We've talked about this. I went to Scottsdale. college in Arizona. Scottsdale. I know, didn't you, okay. Yeah. You went to, U of I was a? in Tucson. Yeah. I was in Tucson. Yeah. But I've, I yeah. spent a good amount of time in Scottsdale. Uh, Scottsdale is cool. I think Scottsdale has like a, uh, cool suburban, like it reminds me of the beginning of ET. Oh, you know, even though yeah. that's Pasadena, even though that's Pasadena, yeah. it's like every time I'm in Scottsdale, there are kids riding BMXs through yeah. housing complexes, and you're like, I bet that's, that's right. a fun way to fun way to grow up. Yeah, you know. I mean, it wasn't great for me, but. <laughs> <laughs> it was fine. Else. You know, we all have our things. But I did ride my bike a lot through um, planned communities. That is yeah. 100% that like, accurate. Yeah. It feels like, um, I don't know, the uh, the suburbs of New Jersey where I where I went to high school were, were oddly like in the shadow of New York City. 
I feel like, you know. Interesting. But now you're in New York City, New York City. You're raising your kids there. What is that like? Do you love it? Well, I moved around a lot. My parents were, uh, I don't know if I ever showed you this here. I'll show you now. But my parents were lounge singers in the city when I was a kid. Excuse me? Um, Yeah. And they were in a rock band that toured the Cascals and that's the greatest thing I've ever like like is it like mo mohonk like mountain house or like oh, oh my, my god Adam's <gasps> showing us photographs of his parents and their like their lounge singing like that's their, crest shop like, this is where's yeah, where's the movie about shots. your parents what are we doing I'll do that <laughs> well, with you I can sing yeah let's do that let's do that um so so when I was a kid most of my life was like spent we lived in Stuyvesant Town, and I would I would go to the uh, like Empire Diner after school and wait for them to be done. And then when I was like eight, my dad had like a bad auditioning year. He lost like a couple ones that came like down the line, and he quit and went back to college at twenty eight and got into medical school in the University of Chicago, and at. 30, he moved us all to Skokie for five years where he went to medical school. And then at when I was 14, we moved back to New Jersey so he could open a practice. So I've been around. (laughs) I I, like it's the Jewish version of an army kid. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's so wild. I mean, Adam, a huge thing that we talk about with our guests is like pivots. And we're going to yeah. get to asking you about one in your life. But that's a huge, a huge pivot that your dad. Big pivot. Was that, can I ask, like, as a kid, do you remember, was that hard to support? Like, did it break your brain no. that your dad wanted no. to? No. Did you know at that point that you wanted to be a performer? Um, I, I was always like a showy, a showy ham yeah. kid, you know, like there's video of me at like five, like doing every move from thriller and like making people watch me, you know? <laughs> right. So it's like, sure. I definitely had, I definitely had that like need to be loved, like loved and watched. Yeah. But I think what it could. Th- there was no like stress about the pivot because we were too young and my dad was really excited and happy. So it was never like, it wasn't a pivot of distress. It was a pivot of like, you know, look, you can do anything when you, whenever you want, you can do anything whenever you want, you know, was kind of the message that we were, we were given, you know, which is a great, that's a really amazing message. um, Yeah, it, it, it really was. But I think psychologically, not to get too like into my own, uh, work. No, give it to therapy. us. Give but it to I think us. at that, I think around that time, I developed a a need to like uh, relate to my parents or like um, uh, get like get extra love or attention from them. So I was like, well, I'll do the thing that they used to do, kind of, you know. Right. And that was how I could like get their love. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so then it became like, you know, from then on, I was like always going to do that, going to do this. That's interesting. Yeah. Have you ever? I, I mean, a, I, it was a I bad a very, thing. I don't think it was like. No, 
No. Have you ever wanted to give it all up and go to medical school? <laughs> no, no, I don't. I don't. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you believe this, but I don't. I don't think I would get in. Well, I have, I have, I have to say, I have wanted to give it all up and do something else. But then I remember that I left college my sophomore year to be on a television show. And I'm like, well, I'm fucked. I can't. There's nothing I I can't. Uh, Me too. I can't. Yeah, I don't want to. Yeah, I don't have any other skills. I think about it a lot. Like I, especially when I was like struggling, uh, which I didn't have a long struggle, but I, you know, I pay my dues. And like, I remember being like, I can't do anything else. I literally can't. I can't. I don't have, I barely have the skills to do this. I I can't, like, <laughs> I can't add. I can't. I yeah, don't have I really can't. People add. skills. I'm I'm gruff. I can't write. I can't, I can't, physically can't handwrite. I read things backwards. I, like, I, I can't get hired. My IQ is low. Like, I, <laughs> I have no, I, like, it would be, it would be hard. I have no discernible skills. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I don't even think I could do like below the line work. Like I think Stop. other unions would be like, <laughs> like I think unions would be like, you can't hold, you can't hold that light. <laughs> like you, no way, buddy. Like come down here. Like, no, no, no. You can't dress that set. You're dressing it like a living room. It's obviously a kitchen. Get out of here. Like, I'm like uh, what? Like I, I really truly... This is the only thing that I that I have, um, and so I never really thought about doing <laughs> doing anything else. I also think, I mean, just my own personal thing in this business, the business of show business. A show, that, business like of show. people say, people say it a lot. Like I hear it a lot. Like if there's anything else you can do, you should do that other thing. Like that, you know what I mean? Like it. It never occurred to me to have a backup plan until it was too late because I was just like, this is, there's no choice. Like I have to do this yeah. thing. Right. This is the thing I have to do. Right. Um, I was given, and the, then, you know. I was given the, the funniest version of that speech ever in my life. When I was like, I guess probably 20, I was um, interning and like basically throwing garbage out at the upright citizens brigade. <laughs> and, and, uh, there, they they used to do this thing every year called the Del Close Marathon, where like they would have be like twenty four hours, and then it became a whole weekend. It was like twenty four hours of improv, and you could take special classes with people. And um, if you were an intern, you 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 had a special leg up on classes. So I got to take this workshop with Amy Poehler, and uh, we're all sitting there, and she's like fifteen minutes late, and she rolls in, and she's like hung over to fucking hell. Like <laughs> she looked like. She, she looked like she had two black eyes. Like, <laughs> she just hung the fuck over. And she walks into this little rehearsal studio and she lights a cigarette. And she's smoking this a cigarette. Amazing. And she goes, who in here thinks they're going to make money from improv comedy? And everybody's like... <laughs> slowly raising their hands. Slowly raising their hands. She looks around she's like... You won't, you won't, you won't, you won't. It's like, are you funny? Kid was like, I think so. She goes, it doesn't matter. You won't, you won't. <laughs> and then we realized that she did to every, there was no one left. 
god, that's so in, in the class. And it was like the oh. funniest thing. And then she just basically <laughs> we did scenes, and she was like hungover, and she was like you know telling us how to do scenes. But her basic message was like. Like what you said, busy. Like, if there's anything else you want to do, like, go do it. This is Ugh. so dumb. You're never going to make it. But the crazy thing when I think about that now is like, like 60% of that class made it. Yeah. They had to prove <laughs> drunk Amy Poehler wrong. <laughs> so it's like, I don't know what happened that day. With us, she gave but like, you your origin story. Literally, I I could tell you the names of the people in that class and you'd be like, holy shit. Oh my I want like I want the names. Bill, like I bet you racked up almost a billion dollars of box office in that class. And she was like, she was like, you're not going to make it. 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 That's hilarious. And she had like a Boston Red Sox hat on, like super low. Did you See, feel that's like it was motivating? She had the Red Sox hat on. That's why she was rough on you because she was in like mass hole mode. Oh, yeah. We, she used to, oh, I, I, I don't want to get her in trouble. She used to do this, <laughs> this show. She used to do this show where she played someone from Boston. It was like the funniest thing I'd ever seen in my We talk about it because Casey's from, Casey's from there and, or from oh. Massachusetts. And like we just talk about how. You know, mouth how, how rough it is. <laughs> yeah, they did a show. It was the funniest. It was a fun. It was basically the the premise of it was like these eight improvisers. There's like an improv team from Boston that would come down <laughs> to do a show. To be like to do a show for you for you artsy folk at the UCB theater. And then the whole show, like, they couldn't get through one scene without being like, fuck Derek Jeter. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, they, like, start seeing it. We'd be like, we're in a coffee shop. Someone would be like, it's Duncan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's so funny. I, I like I it. it. Well, you know, I was a writer at the Rosie O'Donnell show, and she I was the only writer who was not also a performer, like not also a comedian. They were all friends of hers. Mm -hmm. And she used to always say, like, the key to this is to not have a backup plan. Like, I, I never did any other job. I don't have a backup plan, whatever, whatever. But I know that I was like, that is good advice, but also advice from someone who's made it. But I would look yes. around and be like, every other fucking person in this room also thought that they would have a talk show and this is their backup plan now. Yeah, yeah. but that's okay. It's yeah. still working it's still, yeah, in the, and, yeah. they, and they're still working in comedy, right? Yeah, like, I think you... You, you well, do change. I mean, I, there's like... Look, I thought I was going mean, to be Rachel McAdams. But you are kind of <laughs> yeah. Rachel oh, McAdams, aren't you? Like what? Well, I'm, like, no, I'm myself. You know what I mean? Right, like, but that's I, what I'm... But right. that's what I mean. Like you, you are. Like I, I don't know. I, I've wanted to be like everybody up and down, and like <laughs> seriously, I've wanted to be everybody. And I've, I feel like I've had that conversation with my agents like every year, where it's like now I want to be Aaron Paul, and they're like, "What the fuck? <laughs> like, what do you want?" It's like, yeah. I really want to do stuff that's like serious. And they're like, fuck you, buddy. Like, and then the next year I'll be like, I'm back to my roots. I'm 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 back to being Adam Sandler. And they're like, you were never Adam Sandler. You know, like I mean, that is amazing. Like the you guy know, like that's, just yes. Yes, I feel like that's all all of us are like that. And I feel like the job itself, whether it be comedy writing or comedic acting or 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 anything, is like the whole the the only way you're good at this job is if you have if is if you like trash your ego and go like i'm i'm going in with an idea but it's going to be wrong because defensive people like 
in the industry are so impossible to be with. And yeah. that's what you find on on set too. Like you walk on set, the first thing that happens to an actor is they go cut and the director goes, come here, come here. Let's try it <laughs> a different way. Yeah. And like, if you're defensive, you'd be like, what, you don't like the way I did it? Like, I was working all night on that. I wrote little things in the side. Like, fuck you, pal. Like, but you can't. You're an act. You're like, okay, yeah, tell me how you want me to. The job is for you to tell me to change it. And then I'll go back and change it, you know? And I feel like that's the nimbleness you have to have in comedy too. But it's hard sometimes to like get rid of that defensiveness and, and like, right. Cause you're like, you know, you'll pitch an idea in a room and somebody like, I don't like that. And you'd be like, this fucking guy always hates my pitches. (laughs) I have like the (laughs) hard, I have, that's the thing I have the hardest time with is like when I feel like, yeah, pitching. Like I just feel like when people also as a woman, it's different. I don't know. But like, I was going to say, it's, it's interesting. No, it's very different. Have you ever had an experience where you felt like that fucking guy never likes any of your ideas and like you had a point? Have you ever felt like, have you ever felt like that? Yeah, I mean, I felt for directors, for sure. Yeah. For sure, oh, with yeah. directors. Especially, like, you know, on an ensemble, like, on Happy Endings or something, where a new director would come in every week. And, like, part of their, like, TV directors in general are kind of hacks because it's, like, you know, like, I love it when you see a TV director following around the director from the week before, <laughs> being, like, just doing my, just getting my thing going. It's like, buddy, this is a train that's going to run no matter if you're here or not. Yeah. So that was like, like Michelle. Cut. I learned that on Dawson's Creek early on. Have I ever told this story, Casey? I don't think so. Where like it was that was like a weird show for me to be on because I came from Freaks and Geeks, which was just like the best experience of all time and like so yeah. free and amazing. And we were trusted so much and improv, like everything. Yeah, and then I show the up best. to this like machine that has been running and it's in its fifth year. And yeah. It didn't, and I, and I remember like this director coming and he was such a dick and I fucking hated him and he said mean things and it was just the worst. And then I watched the episode and it was fine. And then uh, this other director came who was like a theater. Oh, actually, Jason Moore, who directed, I haven't watched it yet, but the J-Lo wedding movie oh, that yeah. just came out. Right. It looks really funny. But, like, he's, like, a theater director from New York, and he was, like, just so open, and, like, it was amazing. We had the best time, and then I watched the episode, and it looked exactly like the week that the (laughs) guy who I hated directed, and it, like, everything, like, there was no fucking difference between the two things, except for my experience of it as the actor on set. A hundred percent. And that is the the most frustrating thing, I think, as an actor in television, because you're, like... You're the best TV directors that aren't the pilot directors are the ones that are able to like use their skills to deliver the product that was established. And the right. worst ones are the ones that come in and they're like, we're going to do this happy endings episode with no edits. <laughs> and you're like, why? Nope. why? The nope. fuck you are. The fuck you are. And like, so, so that's when I would have, I, I guess, like my most. That's when I was at my most defensive, I think, and probably my youngest and and most insecure. But like, because there's six of you, so and you'd have new directors every week, and they were all kind of like high profile. So you get a new director would come in, you'd be like, why doesn't that guy like me? Like, he probably thinks I'm like the newest one, or like you know, or whatever, or can't act, or just a writer, or whatever. And you have to deal with those insecurities 
and and they become self-fulfilling. Right. Of course. Right. Um, so like that's when I had my hardest time. But I don't know. I mean, it must be crazy to be a woman in a writer's room that's predominantly men and especially like old school, you know, like I didn't see any of it, but like I had a director on Happy Endings that we used to make fun of all the time because he used literally used to direct Casey and Alicia. He'd be like, Pick your head up, baby, so we can see that beautiful smile. Oh, God. Oh, and, like, fuck me. That was, like, <laughs> real. Like, real. Real, you know? And, like, you'd be like, wow, that's crazy that, like, we're hearing that in, like, 2008. Yeah. You know, yeah. On set in front of, like, millions of people. That's like, wild. Yeah. I've had the yeah. experience in a writer's room where I've been, like, the the only woman and felt, like, super iced out with people just, like— not even giving – and at that point, I was like, you know, I've been doing this a while, and I've come from, like, you know, not to be, like, good whatever, place. but I've come from good places and, like, bigger places than most of these guys, whatever. And then this guy got hired that was, like, an older guy and had also worked on cool shows, and he just came in with, like, an open heart and, like, just him literally laughing out loud in the room at things that I said totally changed my life on that show. Oh, yeah. And I was like, yeah. what a fucking Ugh. weird experience to have him. Yeah. S- the room is toxic. It's so weird. But to just have one guy, like, change it all around and signal, like, it's okay to like this woman and, like, her work, if you, like, let it get through, it will make the show better, which is why we're all here. So it was yeah. so and fucked I, up. I love that feeling. I, I don't love it, but it's, like, it's— I know that feeling so well of like a a room full of insecure guys and then like the boss is is like oh good job and then the one guy goes uh yeah that right isn't that a good job (laughs) (laughs) oh my you know it's like and then it like and then that like that look goes around the whole room of like (laughs) like they all start laughing like we like it. We like it. And then after, it's like, we like you now. It's like, ugh. It's like all fear-based, man. Like, it's everybody's just so afraid. Like, they're hanging on by a thread. But that's, you got to let all that shit go, I think. We got we to gotta get yeah. the fear out of this shit, guys. Especially for men. Yeah. It's, oh, yeah. It's, yeah. Women are way more fearless. Well, that's 100% true. I think it's true. I think it's true, too. I, I would agree. I think, well, I think it's because, you know... Uh, whatever we could get into why but women have to do scary shit all the time and like yeah you know like you were saying adam that like men aren't encouraged to be vulnerable or you know to well it goes back to like roasting everyone you know so like even being vulnerable can be scary for a guy so the fact that like you just do that on the regular is you know it's pretty impressive And we love you. You're on a mission to eliminate single-use plastic by reinventing cleaning essentials to be better for us and the planet. Blue land. You know what? I I think that usually the conventional wisdom is to make Mm. jingles really short. But you got a a lot of information in that jingle. Mm -hmm. It was good. I liked it. I liked it. There's a lot to say about Blue Land. But mostly that we love it. We love it. It's such a simple and brilliant idea. Instead of buying full bottles of cleaning products full of nasty chemicals that, like, 
honestly, I can't believe we're bringing them into the house, some of them. And also, by the way, full of water. Yeah, just full FYI. of water that's been shipped that all shipped over around the country. Doesn't make any sense so at all. Blue Land, you get a chic bottle. You buy the little tablet. You buy the bottle once. Buy the bottle once. You get the little tablet when you need whatever type of cleaner, surface cleaner, window cleaner. You pop the little tablet in the bottle, fill it up with your own water, shake it up, and you're good to go. I mean. Honestly, it's so easy. It saves space and it's so much better for the environment. It makes me feel like we've all been duped for years. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I just feel like, what have we been doing with our lives? It's so chic. I also think it's just modeling good, like good things for your kids too. Yeah. Yeah. Like you don't need to have all of these plastic bottles constantly coming in and out of like the house and going out into your recycling, which by the way, we know now, like a lot of that stuff that you think you're recycling, those plastic bottles, they're ending up- other places, guys. Other right. places. Blue Land has hand soap, toilet bowl cleaner, laundry tablets. They're all made with clean ingredients you can feel good about. They're good for the environment. They're good for your home. They're good for your family. They're good for whoever is helping you in your home. I and- recommend grabbing that clean essentials kit. It has yes. everything you need to get started. It's such a good Three- gift for someone yes. moving into a new place. It's a great gift. Um, And they have like really nice, beautiful light scents. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Blue Land. I use it in my home. I use it at Casa Gizmet. I use it everywhere that I am. Same. Same. so they have a special offer just for Busy Phillips is doing your best listeners. Get 15% off your first purchase of any product uh, to get you and your year started right. So to get your 15% off your first order, please go to blueland.com slash best. That's 15% off your first order right now when you go to blueland.com slash best. That's blueland.com slash best. Element, element, element. My electrolyte are low element. What you gonna do? I'm gonna refill your electrolytes for you. I mean, I don't know. Guys, I'm just now we're now we're off the rails. But here's the deal. Here's the deal. If you know me, you know I love an electrolyte. I love an electrolyte too. We have that in common. Honey, we've got more than just that in common, but that's a big one. I believe in them, guys. I believe in them. I have seen them firsthand change people from nauseous and weird Not to doing like, great. hey, I actually feel fine. Yeah. Like, electrolytes are wild that we don't know more about them, like, in yeah. childhood or something. Like, we should learn more about electrolytes because I do feel like they really come in handy. You got to replenish these things. Whether you have like a few glasses of wine, you're working out, you're yeah, just you don't, like you don't need running to be around. A, a triathlete to need your electrolytes topped off. To be honest, like a couple of glasses of wine will do it to you. You get a little yeah. dehydrated and you need to 
do something to make yourself feel okay again. That's or where you I, have a cold. Yeah, you got a cold. You're you're just you know whenever a sinus infection. Think of it this way: whenever anyone says stay hydrated, that's where element can come in. That's where the use of element is appropriate, and that's every day. Okay, so Element is a tasty electrolyte drink mix with everything you need, nothing you don't, lots of salt, no sugar. It contains a science-backed electrolyte ratio. It's 1,000 milligrams of sodium, 200 milligrams of potassium, 60 milligrams of magnesium. There's no junk, no sugar, no food coloring, no artificial ingredients, no gluten, no fillers, no BS. It's literally for anyone... Anywhere, at any time, Element is for you to help get those electrolytes into your body to facilitate hundreds of functions in your body, including the conduction of nerve impulses, pretty important regulation, also important nutrient absorption, very important fluid balance. Important Element can help prevent headaches muscle cramps, fatigue, sleeplessness, other common symptoms of electrolyte deficiency. Guys, I have said it before. I'll say it again. I'm a firm believer in adding electrolytes to your water daily. Yeah. And I love Element. Element is used by everyone from the NBA and the NFL and the NHL and Olympic athletes and Navy SEALs and then just me and Casey. (laughs) And by the way, like they taste really good. They have so many different flavors. So many flavors. And they're just little packets that you can like, if you want to make it at home, great. But if you want to toss one in your bag and take it with you on the road for when- Which is what I do. Yeah. For when you fill up your water bottle, just sprinkle it on in there and you're good to go. Well, listen, right now, Element is offering our listeners a free sample pack with any order. That's eight single-serving packets free with any Element order. This is a great way for you to try all eight flavors or share Element with a friend. Get yours at drinklmnt.com slash best. This deal is only available through our special link, you must go to D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T dot com slash best. And the best part is they offer this totally risk-free. If you don't like it, just give it away, share it with a friend, and they're going to give you your money back. No questions asked. You really have nothing to lose, you guys. And you have only your electrolytes to gain. How can I ask you a question? And then I want to know about this. I want to know about the movie that's coming out. Okay. Come out. Is it coming? It'll be out in two days. Friday night. Wait, I got to tell you something. You know, I'm a real West Coast planetary bitch. This is a great (laughs) weekend for this movie to come out. Creative thing. Why? What's going on? Is Mercury. Not in retrograde. Nothing's in retrograde in the current moment. We're about to go into our, yeah, that's, it's good. It's a full moon in Leo. We're in Aquarius. It's like all happening, creative vibes. It should be great. That sounds great. I'm really, (laughs) I hope, I I gotta call the producers and tell them. It's a perfect time. Let them know. Everything is, it's auspicious timing. Yeah. No, I don't speak to the producers. Um, <laughs> last time an actor was like, yeah, I'll go talk to the people. Like, 
shot this movie with. Um, <laughs> who invented Busy, Charlie awesome. is what it's called, right? Who invited Who, who invited? Oh, no, who invented him, guys? <laughs> <laughs> who invented him? Adam invented, I like invented. him. It's like bicentennial, <laughs> who invited man. invited Charlie? Like, uh, Robin it's Williams. Like, I saw the preview. It feels like um, that movie I loved. What about Bill? Yes, that's... Bob, no, it's, what about it's, it's Bob? Bob, Bob. <laughs> We are, everybody here is. I mean, everybody here is it. off by like. You know what? We are not, professional podcasters. And I are also hungover. Yeah. I'm smoking. Well, this has been this has been so fun, and, and uh, I'm Adam Scott, and my show is Succession. It's no, it's 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 uh, it's kind of like um, a modern plane trains and automobiles, or what about Bob or Uncle Buck, which are like Uncle three of Buck. my favorite movies of all time I love and getting that. a character like that is like you don't get them that that often where you get to do like everything yeah so it's it was a real joy yeah because you are charlie you're like the the nominal the 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 named character the nominal yes. you're you're i only take movies now i've, I've decided <laughs> i only take movies if the uh title of my character is in the title of the movie that I, I think that, that makes so much I'm sense. That's I a support, good career move. I support it. Thank you. I just mm-hmm. need a little more screen time. <laughs> yeah. So I want to ensure yeah. that my next movie is called Titanic. <laughs> uh, I will be. You're you're the ship. I will be playing the boat. <laughs> I will be playing the boat. <laughs> Wait, did you go see that production here, the Titanic? No, I heard like it was the good. Weird, I heard it was amazing. <clears throat> I didn't see it. It was like some insane. No production of like the movie Titanic as a musical but like Casey I don't know oh, that it sounds fun yeah. wild. did you ever play like the Titanic no. video game excuse me I think there was like a Titanic <laughs> video game I never played it but I just know in my office we would like turn it on and let whatever ha- was gonna happen was it like from James it was like the, the James Cameron movie I don't or it was like another plot I don't know I just know that we would turn it on and put on the Titanic soundtrack and like wait for the for shit to happen but we wouldn't like what wait, a bummer I'm- of like a, a, a programming job too it's like <laughs> come up with the plot of a video game like mom I finally got hired to do my dream job, man. And I told you all those classes at Berkeley were going to pay off. I'm like the best programmer ever. Oh. What job is it? Well, I got to come up with the plot of someone who drowns in the Titanic. Oh, my God. An un- room for room. It's a 65-hour game. Unwinnable game. Um, Guys, yeah. you know the – I don't know if I ever told you this, Casey. I don't think we ever talked about this. But it was when – Birdie, my oldest kid, was like eight, and we were going on that Disney cruise. Yeah, and it was like her. You dream went on that in life. Oh my god! Yes, we did. Oh gee, I was. Christ. I'll tell you everything. It was Adam's just realizing he's gonna have to do this. It was no, like no, 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 no. I'll leave the family before I go. <laughs> Uh, I leaned in so Adam I leaned in so I was dreading it and being such a dick about it like leading up to it and then I realized like I heard myself and I was like you're an asshole people like save their whole lives to go on this trip like your family is like my parents were taking us all on it I'm like be grateful fucking have a good time and I had to tell you like I leaned in so hard that I was like running the ship at the end. Oh, and God. like it was the most, I had the was most fun? fun. Oh, oh yeah, wow. the best fucking time. But, and it was yeah, like Bernie's dream come true. But 
literally the two weeks before she left, her class in elementary school learned about the Titanic. Why? And then all of a sudden, my child, like it just was the timing was just terrible. And she learned about the Titanic and then was terrified. And we were on it. We were fine. We, We made it. I, we made it through a, the, the Caribbean. I mean, I just, I'm shooting something next year. I'm shooting something next year in Berlin, and I want to give my kids a one-up on the Holocaust, like, right before we get there. Yeah, that seems right. I you mean, know, show them all the know, images. Can I, tell you, can I tell you something for real, though? <laughs> for real, though, the American Girl doll that deals with the Holocaust is kind of amazing. I've seen that. I've seen that. You know, Rebecca? The, Jew- the Jewish thing. one? The Jewish one? My Rebe- favorite one. They named her Rebecca. Rebecca. Th- there's also a, um, uh immigrant, quote-unquote, American Girl doll, which is, like, also Jewish, clearly. Not Rebecca? Like bu- no. Not Rebecca. It's, it's Rebecca. Like bu- She's like a rebush- a babushka. A babushka. Yeah, it's Rebecca. It's Rebecca's the- an immigrant because, uh, because the war was starting. Right, and so she came through the Lower East Side. Yeah, I have all her yes. paperwork. Okay, you have all her paperwork. <laughs> um, all I'm saying is that, <laughs> is that those books were helpful for me, but they, it was also really fucking hard because I remember having that conversation. Casey and I have talked about this. I remember having that conversation with Birdie after we read the books and I like was reading her the back part. She was probably Gracie's age. She's probably like nine or something. Yeah. And she was like, but not the kids, right, mom? And I was like, uh, fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Also the yeah. kids. Also yeah, the kids. Yeah, the kids died too. Yeah. And like yeah. it and like especially like we're not raising our kids Jewish, but their last name right. is Silverstein. Right. And like they with, know. Oh, Bertie fully knows. I mean well, they're and, they're Jewish to other people. To, you know what I they're mean? They're Jewish to other people. Yeah. yeah. No, Bertie's like so aware of that fact that like it doesn't actually matter. Like she's Jewish enough right. to people who hate Jews. Oh yeah. Right. And yeah. like which is um Everybody, right? Currently, <laughs> currently like right feels now, like it. It does feel like yeah. it. It's like a real it trend. Does. <sighs> it's, it's 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 a tough spot. I uh, I do feel odd when I see like Yeezys on the subway. I like am a little bit like I know that you're not going to kill me, but it does offer the same warning. Yeah. As I mean, like, dude, I saw a guy yeah. walking in the West Village and he had like a real high and tight haircut and he was wearing like this army green jacket. And I was like, is that a Nazi? Like I like got like panicked that the guy yeah. was like a fucking Nazi. One time in Burbank, I saw this gathering of people that I thought was like a full on paramilitary Something it was it was um Ghostbusters cosplay, but from like a block away, <laughs> I shit my pants in my car. I was like, "What's that? Oh, yeah. These people are on the march. What's happening?" <laughs> and they're like, "No women, Ghostbusters. <laughs> no women, Ghostbusters." Right. That was the gist. Reboot it actually- with Paul Rudd. <laughs> Reboot it with Paul Rudd. Oh, you would fully be in that, Adam. You would get in there. You'd read. I got the in reboot. there. You know, one of the best parts of my career is that I won. I won the. Um, I won, like after like bunch of auditions, the a role in the Ghostbusters reboot, and then in the Sony hack, <gasps> they, uh, they, they talk about why it didn't get made, and it's like, uh, 
the reboot of Ghostbusters, the choices Ivan Reitman made were not enough to get the movie to the finish line. <laughs> And then it's like Charlie Day, Adam Valley. Like, oh, oh no! They just mean they just mean international money, Adam. I know, but uh, it was like the it was like everyone else in the Sony hack is like, wow, you see Joel McHale is going to be Superman. It's like we're uh, <laughs> like you God. see uh, see Adam Pally asked Charlie Day for a TV. Oh my like, God! It's just like really, that's that's right. well that <laughs> so. that lady's um pubic hair dye really took everyone's attention. So I had never what? Do, don't you remember that? Ex- no, that I executive don't. like they showed her emails and she had like ordered like fun colors to dye pubic hair, dye her pubes. Yeah, yeah. there was a lot of was, stuff on it. There was one I read that was like uh, an actor. I, I don't want to say the name, but it was like legit emails. And I was, I don't know why I was digging through this. It was like emails between him and the corporate department of Sony being like, is there any way that I could get like a big, one of those big TVs? Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. I was in the Sony hack By the too, way, I have to say but it, none of my emails were interesting, but that's why I use my own personal email to this day because I'll never use a corporate email again. Oh yeah. Because I'm sure that actor didn't like do that out of the blue, I'm sure someone was like, hey, if you want a TV, right. email so-and-so. Exactly. And so the actor was like, Do you know? and then it gets released on the hack. I don't like, want so anyone to know about my pube dye. I don't TVs. want anyone to know yeah. I wanted a free TV. Nothing. Yeah, I don't want anyone to know I'm a schnur. Nothing like that. <laughs> like, I don't want them to see what my lunch orders. So Nothing. Anything could be embarrassing. No. Anything taken out of context. I need, I need the mystery, the mystery of me to be fully intact. I need people to always, in my head, and maybe this is my narcissism, everybody is consistently <laughs> thinking, what's Adam doing right now? <laughs> Who is he? <laughs> Who is Adam I don't Pally? want them. I don't want them to know the answer. No. I want them to think about what it could be. Yeah. Know? They can project, I'm gonna, project I mean, their own deepest feeling, yeah. awesome yeah. feelings. Yeah. I mean, because the, the truth of the matter is like eating a... a Sweet green salad with spicy cashew yeah. heavy at like on like the sweet greens by the mascot on 58th or whatever. But it's like no right. one wants to hear that. No one no, wants to hear that. Not really. <laughs> Waiting for dismissal, making sure my new prescription doesn't cause me to like fall in the street. Like, that's not as classy. Oh my gosh. I mean, okay, so what okay, so we do ask people about pivots. We heard about your dad's yeah. pivot, but do you have like a thing that you thought, well, I mean, I guess maybe the Ghostbusters job, like <laughs> that you thought that you thought was going to be like, okay, this is fucking it. And then whatever, it didn't work out. Something happened. Something else came up. I feel like my whole life like tends to be like that, which is like, if you're resilient and you're kind of like, like everything's a pivot, you know, cause you want one thing and then you end up with something else. And, um, but, uh, I would say that the, 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 the most, but I think I can talk about this because it's so, it, it was like reported on, but about, and it ended up working out fine. But about eight years ago, I got a job uh, to um, take over for Emil Hirsch in the John Belushi biopic. Wow. And I didn't know that. I started to like gear up and get ready to do it. And I got like uh, very heavy, and 
right before we started shooting, um, I they flew me out to uh, Chicago to to do like a screen test, you know, with the makeup or whatever. And when I got back, they canceled the movie. And I was like 230 pounds and had like long hair and had dyed my hair black. Like they were, they were going to go, but they were like, um, it's just not going to work or whatever. And so I was like, Oh God, that's awful. And I was pretty devastated and depressed. And it took me a long time to like want to do anything else. Like it wasn't even that I like, like I needed another job and all that stuff, but I just didn't want to, you know? And then, um, I put it away. It took about two years to like get my, my health back. Right. And whatever. And then in in March, 2020, February, 2020, uh, great director and writer and producer, uh, David Frankel called me and was like, I'm doing Belushi and I saw your screen test and I want to do it again with you. And I was like, what? Uh, And he's like, yeah, like we're going to do it. So um, we got an amazing cast, like we had an amazing cast and, and it was all ready to go. And I gained the weight again. Shut up. This is insane. And then the pandemic happened. No, I know. I can't. (laughs) And in July, they canceled the the movie. Fuck off, um, Adam. God. But but it ended up working out really great because uh, in like September, I got a call from David who was like, "I read this script by my protege that I'm going to produce uh, called Who Invited Charlie, and it's really good, and uh, we want you to we want you to do it." And he's like, I feel horrible about the way that Belushi didn't come together and all that stuff. And I was like, okay, I'll read it, you know, and I read it and it was great. And I did it. And now it's here. Now it's here. So, yeah. So it's like, it worked out great. It worked out great. But it was, that was a tough, um, like going back in to like do all that stuff again and then having it not work again was like a tough Hollywood and there were like article, like you can Google it. There were like articles about it, and it was like starting to happen. Uh. And I was like very heavy. <laughs> Again, mostly this is va- vanity. Mostly it was vanity about me being very heavy, getting heavy. Well, it's hard. I mean, it's that's, okay. that's preparing for a role in a way that, like, you know, that isn't always necessary. And it's not just something that you can just drop in a second. It's not a costume you can. So I think it's an interesting conversation because, you know, people are people are very uh, people are very opinionated about Brendan Fraser wearing a fat suit in the whale. And like, yeah, you tried to do it the old fashioned way. To be fair, I wasn't far off. Like, you know, like, I'm stocky. Like, it it wasn't like I had, like, a long walk to go. Guys, I once had an audition for this independent movie that I, like, really wanted. And the girl is described. This is, like, again, early 2000s, right? Yeah. And the woman, the girl was described as being, like, 
chubby, overweight, like multiple times. They like talk about how she's overweight. She's overweight. And I met with the director, the director loves you for this. And I met with the director. And so I was like, I, and he's like, do you, you know, like, let's talk about like the physicality and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, I'm just curious. Yeah. I'm curious, like what you're thinking and what that, you know, like how that works. And he literally goes, well, you know, for some actresses, it's a lot, you know, like I could see 45, 50, 60 pounds for you, maybe five, 10. <laughs> oh <my laughs> like, at least he didn't ask you to lose five or 10. Yeah. No, no. I like, I, oh, I, uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. That makes sense. Sure. Great. Yeah. No, it wasn't. It, <laughs> By the way, yeah. guys, just FYI, I was like, a size six. Probably like eight. a size, yeah, size yeah. six. Yeah. I was like, yeah. I was like on the thinner side of humans, probably. Yeah. And the guy's I, like, you, yeah, I, you're pretty fat. So I, like, I didn't up, have a long, man. a long way to go in mine. Like it wasn't like the whale. Yeah. It was okay. More how do you like, do yeah, it though? Like, how, can I ask that logistical I did question? It. Also, that's just an amazing story. And I have other questions. Yeah. How did you do that? I, I, the weekend? I, fluc- I fluctuate. Or like, all right, you know, I like if I have soy sauce, it yes, looks like I. I'm like. Uh, uh, well, you can play Belize like, the next day. Wait, you were yeah. on Mindy Project, like Ike, yes. Aaron Holtz, and I always joke that we have the same body because we can like gain and lose fifteen pounds in two weeks. Yes, like I Ike am. Was, like no yeah. one can believe my abilities to gain and lose yeah. weight. Uh, yeah, and I, I I feel that way too. And 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 my wife sometimes says to me like, you know, it's all in your head, right? Like you 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 look like you look all the time. Like she's like, and I'm like, well, that's sweet. I don't know if it's true, but I I like uh, I fluctuate quickly, and I have a resting fat boy face. Like I I am that already. So it's easy. Like if I just turn it all off, it's like every meal is a pizza, sure, a milkshake, a milkshake in between. Oh the best you know couple bagels for breakfast you know you're hungry in between the two pizzas <laughs> grab some dumplings and like the next thing you know it's been two weeks and you're up 20 pounds can i ask a question you know, like, are you happy were you happy getting to do that or no, no you okay no you didn't yeah, you didn't like terrible. it my vanity is is too strong i don't even like getting looking old like well, even being who, like this. What are you gonna do? do? What are you gonna yeah. do? We're well, gonna get. I'm gonna get my bucal fat sucked out. I'm gonna go on. Well, maybe we can gonna, do. My a, diet's gonna be we can like do a party. We 150 can. Ozempic milligrams. I'm just gonna fucking. We can. We can have. Take a, me down the ladder. Cheek fat take party. And guys, I, I don't have I any like, like, buckle fat. <laughs> it's called pronounced buckle. I, apparently, I look like the little kid from Up. That kid's so cute. It's a great kid yeah, to look adorable. like. Yeah, it's adorable. Yes, yeah. of course. And that's what people, when they see me on the street, they point and say it. So it's nice to know that I'm resident. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like, okay, wait. I have I have another question about the the movie that didn't yeah. work out twice, two times for you. Yeah, if, two times. If someone comes knocking time number three, what do you do? I would do it. Yeah. I would do it. Yeah, of course, right? Wouldn't you? I mean, like, that's what yeah. we are. Yes, I would do I it too, no, 100%. Yeah. I, if someone said play Ackroyd, I would do it. <laughs> like I, <laughs> you know, not, that's not what a we roast. do. 
Just <laughs> not a roast. Just, just an not accurate, as good a part. honest. Not a roast. Just not as good a part. <laughs> Honestly, that's <laughs> it. Um, wow, that's really an intense story, and I don't know, like, how you kind of overcame that heartbreak the first time because I feel like that would have floored me. I don't know if I would have been able to do it. Like, it move did on. For me. I'm not kidding. Well, it was like, I think it was a good thing that it happened early, like, you know, relatively early to, to get to, to like kind of, uh, starting to work a lot because it, it showed me what was going to happen for the rest of my career, which is like, you are nothing, like nothing matters. You know, you, you work really hard and you think it's, this is going to be it. And then you put it out and it's, it, maybe it is, maybe it isn't, but you're still the same person and you still have to deal with your kids and you're fucking, you know, face fat. That's just the light. That's, you know, your like. Buckle fat. Your bucal your fat. Bu- my, my bucal fat. Buckle. Uh, <laughs> uh, so like that's, that, that, that was a good lesson I learned because like I had gone, I've gone on from that experience to like, you know, tank quite a few television shows. <laughs> sure. You know, I don't blame uh, you for that. But still, the industry does. Like, I, you know, that I, people say that all the time. It's like, well, that's not your fault. It's right, like, well, right. it's your sure. It's your face on do it. You wanna, do you want to hire me now? Right. It's like, well, no, you've just had a failure. Right. right. <laughs> you know, so, you know, and I've had quite a few. I mean, like, I went to Yasser and Chelsea's wedding. Me too. Uh, a couple weeks ago. Were you there? Yeah. I didn't see you. I was in... Um, Did you see me? I think I saw you from afar, but I, we didn't chit-chat. We were afar. It was a big wedding. It was huge. But, like, I had a really, uh, like, intense experience at that wedding because I walked in and he set up... A lot of his friends were sitting by table by project that he had worked on. Right. Oh, my God. And... um say four of those projects lasted not very long and all four of them there was one common theme oh, no. other than the, him other than him working on them in some fashion the common theme right. was I was the the kind of centerpiece of those projects <laughs> so kind of going from one table to another and sitting down and hearing, like, this is so fun. We should do... Th- Why don't we do this? <laughs> and in your head, you're like, because of me. <laughs> you don't do this because of me. <laughs> I'll tell you why you don't do this. <gasps> oh, my Because I fucked it up. Oh. Uh, and, and, like, there was nowhere to turn. Like, every table was that. And that's a great... It, and, like... I also felt so lucky. I was like, God, I've been around a while. Like to to go from table to table and be like, fuck that show up, fuck that show up, fuck that show up. That's pretty good. <laughs> but at the yeah. at the yeah. same time, great. <laughs> you know, you 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 gotta yeah, it's a lot. It's like, you know, I've failed upwards quite a bit. Does it is it your family at the end of the day and like Daniela like at home? Yeah. And like is that I'm what lucky I've like brings I'm you lucky back? About- I guess so. I mean, like, uh-huh. I'm lucky, hot wife, you know, terrible kids, but hot wife. <laughs> and well, listen, to be fair, they're fine. They're just fucking cold. <laughs> they're just cold. Yeah, they just they're freezing. They're, 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 it's not freezing. like I'm not giving them their tools. I, right. Yeah, it's so frustrating to see a kid freezing and you're like, you're holding a jacket. 
Uh, honey, but, um, honey, I get it. <laughs> you can even um, take the no, jacket think, away and give it to another kid who would wear it. Then they'll want yeah, it. Yeah, I, I threaten that all the time. <laughs> I threaten that all the time. My daughter's like, it won't fit. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> um, um, yeah, I, I think it's honest. Truthfully, it's um, having a, a lot of life before, um, like— any recognition, I think, is very yeah. helpful. Because, like, I think sometimes it's hard when you get used to, like, you know, things are easy when you're when you're rich and famous. Like, really easy, you know? Honey, and I have so, friends who don't even know how to check themselves in at the airport. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, completely. Completely. I have, yeah, for sure. I have friends that don't have wallets, that don't have ca- <laughs> cards. They've, I have friends that yeah, don't like, have cards. They like, like borrow cash from not, me. Like you, yeah, yeah, and like that. I think that that can. It's great when it's going well, but if there's ever a moment where it's not, it gets like people freak out. And so I think for all the moments when things are just static, I think I'm used to that. So I don't. It's like, well, that seems like normal life. Yeah. Would you write is. your? What's your dream? What's your? I was gonna say. I was gonna have a leading question. But instead, I'm going to offer an open-ended question. What is your, like, dream project in this moment for yourself? Well, that's a lovely question. Um, I don't know. Uh, I've been playing a lot of music around town. I am uh, um, trying trying to do something. I, I don't know what it is, but, like, just do comedy somewhere Somehow Adam, I've been working on like. <laughs> are you free? Are you free February 11th to come to the NJ Pack Center and play a song on stage with us? Is it? Are you? Is this? Are my? Is this real? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I would for do real. That. Um, I would love to do that. Yeah, we don't even have to. I, mean, I feel, I feel like we should give him a ring. <laughs> Adam, wait! I have one. Adam, I have one right you? here. Adam, would you? No, we're playing. We haven't booked a musical like every. Oh my god! I every, thought there so was a chance. It. I thought there was a chance this was going to happen today, but I didn't <laughs> think it was like going to happen. <laughs> um, we're doing. We're doing like our, our podcast live, like in. Well, we're oh, doing San Francisco on Friday, and then we're doing Boston, and we're doing New Jersey. Anyway, if you want to come play at the NJ Pack, and and that would be so fun. I would love to. Is it okay if it's like? Uh, it's 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 music, but it's also comedy. Is that okay? We can do, do whatever, whatever the fuck want. we do want, what? literally. Right. Like that's kind of the vibe. I think it would be really fun if to. it was you. But will you play? I would love to. Will you play? Will you play a guitar while I sing one song? A hundred percent. Okay, great. A hundred percent. Then we're in. Then we're fully we'll in. It. We're booked. I hope you like Bruce Springsteen. Love. Because we'll that's be, pretty much where my knowledge is. We'll be in New Jersey. I actually, I do want to sing better a Bruce place. song. Yeah, we got to sing a Bruce song in Jersey. Let's actually. sing "I'm on Fire." Ugh. Well, that's my favorite. That's oh, what I would. That's what I would do because that stripped do down is so good. Let's do it. Yeah, Love that song. It's a good one. Okay, great, Adam. You're booked. Yes. I did not think <laughs> today was going to. We end asked up him what booking. his dream was. He said to play more music, and we exploited <laughs> I'm like, I can it. Make that dream we exploited it for our in own. New Jersey. You are busy. Purposes. I got a, a dream maker. I've got some good babysitters. If you guys need a babysitter that night, honestly, yes, yes. I've got uh, a cute. I got a cute one. <laughs> I can oh, send your to, way. 
We're not allowed those. Oh, really? Oh, <laughs> only. Right, I get it. I get, it. I get the joke. I get the joke. Nondescript babysitters only. My wife, her favorite thing to say whenever there's like a news story is like, well, you hired the babysitter. It's like the amount of times <laughs> I hear that. The amount of times I hear that and think to myself, like, you know, I'm a human being. <laughs> Do you not know me <laughs> by like, now? <laughs> but um, um, I am there. All right. Fantastic. Um, okay. Well, who invited Charlie this Friday in theaters? Only in theaters. I think it's on. To start. I think it's day on and day. Day and day. Yeah. On demand. Yeah. Oh. Most likely, most likely Both? people will demand will demand it. And I think that's great. Ugh, me too. God damn it. I, I hate going it. to the movie theater. Also, me by too. the way, I haven't done it in years. Also, Adam, because you do have three kids who are fairly small still like who the f- like I don't want to go out and go to the movies like if I'm no. gonna go out I want to fucking go out you know what I mean yeah. this is a good wine makeout movie too like it's Ooh. it's the type of movie it nice. really is a good wine makeout movie like put on your tv get some wine make out and then come laugh. back for like laugh and make out pause it or don't pause it come back catch it you won't miss anything like it's good like that I love it. I lo- I think this is the first time I've ever heard an artist say, like, I would like it if you would make out during the movie. Oh, God. I would love it if you made out during the movie. It'd be great. <laughs> Do you want people to I, let you know how the making out I'm, goes? Yes. I hope someone conceives during it. I mean, like, I would say that I have – I'm so confident in my performance that I believe that I – that I'm so charismatic that I can shine through a couple making out. That's while right. watching the movie. I love this. I believe this. that my performance yeah. will resonate through sex. Yeah, and maybe even wow. like help it along, you know? Yeah, totally. you know, because I mean, laughter, it really gets some people an off. An aphrodisiac. Laughter's yeah, the that's best what they say. lubricant, is, that is what they say. There, that's right. There is a point in the movie where I turn to the camera and I go, hey, slow down. <laughs> I almost did a spit take, guys. I was drinking my water, and I almost did a spit take. Um, well, it's so nice to see you. Uh, nice to see you guys, too. Thank over you Over Zoom. Thanks. I'm so happy for all of your success and that this movie is coming out, and it ends up being, like, kind of a little bit of, like, the bright spot to your pivot story. Yeah. Really ties it all in yeah. together. Yeah. Oh, uh, and then yeah. finally, are you going to fucking write and star in the movie about your parents? Um... Yeah. Uh, well, maybe when my dad dies. You don't want to do it before. I want his life insurance. <laughs> if I'm going to write, if I'm going to write, if I'm going to take that time off to write, I want to make sure I have a little cash. Sure. Ooh, of course. Ooh. Of course. Yeah. 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 I get it. I don't do anything for yeah. free. Yeah. So. You know, no, yeah, not even it. for myself. That's just not, not even, even for That's myself. just you're no. just a good you're just a good businessman, Adam Pally. I am. That's just good business. Um, I'm Jewish. Right, Adam. I'm Jewish. Honey, I will see you guys. It's got to be pickup time. I'll see you later. Thank you so it's much, Adam. <laughs> Bye. 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 Nice to see you. I mean, how am I going to find someone to make out with to that movie? You In the ha- next two days. You have like San two- Francisco, you better bring it. <laughs> I want to say there's probably at least a couple dozen people in San Francisco that would make out with you. 
That's generous of you, Casey. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate you're welcome. that. welcome. I just think, yeah, you just have to let people know that you're, you have to put it out there, which you just I did. I mean. Which you just did, so. Well, listen, I don't know if I, I don't know if I really want to make out with someone. Okay. Watching that movie. I don't know. I haven't decided yet. You got your new we'll mirror. See. You can kiss your new mirror. I did my eyebrows. They look good. Oh, good. Uh, put a lot, put on a little face oil. Okay. Here's what I'm going to say. In the last, I've been making some crisis decisions. Me a too. New tattoo, a new yeah. tattoo. Yeah. I cu- chopped my hair off. Right. I mean, those, those I mean, are, those are basically, they're those the two are the, the, main those are ones. Them. Yeah. Those yeah. are them. Yeah. I did buy a pair of on sale uh, lace up brogues, which I think maybe look like nurse shoes, but you know what? Like, I bet you can make nurse, them work. Nurse, nurse shoes from like the 50s, you know, yeah, like we love something nurses. That, like, right, from the 50s, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Like a, like a nurse ratchet vibe. Yeah. From, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I do think they're cute. I mean, they were on sale at Nordstrom and I had a gift certificate. So okay. I felt like that was okay. I bought the mirror. But, you know, other than that, I would say I'm like handling my shit in terms of like not going to the things that I normally go to, which is like excessive shopping. But I'm doing, the, you know, I'm doing some other things that are like, no, hope it turns out, you know, like the yeah. haircut could have yeah. gone either way. Yeah. At least it wasn't bangs. The tattoo's cute. Um, and then a friend of mine was like, you should just sign up for Raya. <gasps> you should sign up for Raya. And I was like, uh, and I, I fully fucking sent the thing in. And now I haven't like made a profile or anything, but like I okay. did get like accepted okay obviously and then they've emailed since let me know if you need help setting up your profile and I was like wow. I can't I'm not there you're but not I there. did like do it yeah sent the original email or Raya whatever. in case you don't know we've talked about it before oh, they know it's like a it's a dating app um but it's kind of like an exclusive ish I guess ish. I don't even think it is that much I, not um, as much as it used to be I don't think but you know and I also like don't even think I want to be on it but like yeah. I just was having like a moment and I was like fine I'll do it but um also speaking of crisis haircuts I have to tell you a Gina story because I <sighs> woke up early and she has all of the you know it's her winter haircut yeah which is me means like she has long hair. Right. And her harness was like matting her fur oh, like no. so bad. Yeah. And I was feeling really bad for her. You can't really brush. I mean, I would brush out some of the sort some of them, you yeah. know. But like when they're really like matted, matted, you just have to cut them out because right. you know, and a lot of times they shave her at right. the groomer. Right. When she's got those mats on her, it was like where her little harness is. So, but she was like so, she does not like being shaved at the vet. Okay. You know? Yeah. And often I've noticed that like, I'm sure she's like moving around, whatever. She gets like these little tiny nicks, you know, and you know me, she's my baby. So I just took a little tiny scissors. She was very relaxed on her back. I was petting her tummy and I just like started snipping and I cut out all of her mats and like 
it was hilarious because Birdie came into my room later and she was like, did Gina explode in here? Oh my because God. Because it was just like, there was like tiny little fur everywhere, like little whatever. Oh my And gosh. it was like, fine. It looked good. Yeah. And I like kind of like did the... Um, I used like haircutting, like mini haircutting scissors that I had. Yeah. And I even did the thing where I tried to like fade it out, you know, like right, right. With, with my fingers and like cutting it or whatever. And it was fine. And she seemed totally fine because she hadn't been at the whatever, groomers. Yeah. But then, well, I didn't realize that if the harness matted her there, and she didn't then have any fur, she could get a blister. Oh, no. Yeah. And she got a fucking blister on her chest, like right where the harness was. And I felt... Poor girl. I took her on this like really nice long walk in Central Park. Yeah. And then I was like, oh my God, what happened to your chest? Like an idiot. Like I'm a fucking idiot. I felt so bad. Aww. And so now she has to wear a sweater because she can kind of lick it and I want it to heal. Right, right. And then I was just like, I tried to do a thing that was going to be less traumatic for her and then I ended up making it more traumatic for her. She'll be okay. I know you feel bad, but it's, you know, literally the same as every time I you know, opened a door in one of my kids' faces or something, you know? It's just like, didn't you ever yes, knock every your, time. <laughs> did you ever knock over your kids opening a door? I've knocked them over with my butt before. Yeah, you know. My mom slammed my leg and my finger in the car door at two different times. Like, the the I think it was the finger first, but, like, you think I yeah. slammed Birdie's finger on yeah. accident in a door, yeah. and it was the most traumatic thing, and I was, like, convinced that she was going to be taken away from me. Yeah. I mean, listen, we could go on and on, but those are the things that happen. But she'll That be okay. was one of our my top five worst parenting moments, but it was just because I felt so terrible about it. I, yeah, like, of course. I couldn't get my shit together, and Birdie's like, it scared me. Yeah. <laughs> <I was like, laughs> <gasps> oh, my uh, gosh. Well, that's my Gina story. Aww, she'll be she'll be all right. She'll heal up, and her fur will grow back very quickly. I'm sure. I hope so. Aww, my poor little girl. Your poor little girl. What are you doing your best at this week? I am doing my best at like just being very aware and present, and um knowing what I can and can't handle in this moment. Oh, that's and so good. like, if that means like not doing certain things, but doing other things like, you know, responding to some people that I owe a response to, but other people I'm like, I'm not emotionally ready to do that. Right. You know, right. whatever it is. There's like, you know, there's lots that comes at me. I have a lot that comes at me, guys. <laughs> we all do. We all do. Casey does. You do too. Everybody does. I know we all do. Yeah. But I'm just saying like I have struggled in my life with, and it's not just saying no. Like it's like I have struggled with knowing my own limit. Yeah. Because like, a lot of times people get really reductive and they're like, you need to learn no. And I'm like, Okay. I mean, I can say no. I've done it before. Right. But it's not that. 
it's that I say yes thinking that I have the capacity for something I don't right. have the capacity for. Right. And so, like, the actual thing is... <gasps> Gina's trying to go out on the balcony with her sweater with her little on. sweater on. Come on. That sweater is so cute. <laughs> it is so cute. That is cute. Um. So it's not... So I, I think that, like when you hear people saying like the power of saying no, like that's fucking great. If you're a person who's in touch with yourself enough that you're able to know right. when you're at capacity. Right. But if you're a person like me, who's been in a constant state of like trying, 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 like piling more on so that no one gives up on you. Right. <laughs> So that people still love you because right. you like equate it with love. Right. Then it's, it's, it gets messy because you're like, that's when people, that's when you like, the step before being able to like, just say no, say no to things. That the step before is like vital. Yeah. And that's recog knowing who you are. And right. what you're capable of and right. that it changes in different moments. Right. I think it would actually be really more powerful. Maybe, you know, people are like, there's so much power in saying no. And that is true. But I think it would be maybe even more powerful for you in some cases to say maybe, you know, like I think that that is the thing that we're always so hesitant because it seems waffly, you know, and we, we've I, had – a lot of talks about pragmatism and like how it can come off as negative, but sometimes I think there's a lot of power in saying maybe. Let me think about it. Wait, I, I literally said maybe to something this week, and I felt so good. Like I was like, "Hey, I'm trying to figure out a few things. This would be something I would really like to do. If you can email me more information, I promise you, as soon as I get a few other things." in line, I'll be able to know if this is something I can do or not. I think that's so good. And I think it sounds like you used maybe in a really healthy way. Because I think a lot of people abuse maybe too. Like a lot of people use it as a way to push something off until, you know, until it's a moot point, which isn't fair to the person that's asking for something. And it's not fair to yourself either, you know, because you have that anxiety the whole time when you haven't answered definitively. But to say, maybe let me gather more information and honestly evaluate if I have the time and the resources and the energy to devote to, you know, uh, to give as much as this deserves. You know what I mean? Like that, like I try to say that a lot to people like I don't think I could give this the attention that it deserves I don't think I'm the person that's the right person to do this right now um and I really mean it like because I never want to say that I'm not the right person for something or it's not the right time for me to do something because I want to do everything like you're saying so that people will like continue to love me and want me to do things um but sometimes you just fucking can't Sometimes you can't. And I think it's like... And sometimes you don't really, know. And sometimes you don't know if you can. Right. And we... And I do think... Yeah, I do think that it's like a thing that we don't teach people. Like how to know when you... Well, I mean, especially women. Especially yeah. like our generation, right? Like we don't... It's not easy to know your own limits when you've right. like 
been told that it's normal to push past them your entire life. Right. Right. Mm, put that on a t-shirt, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Casey, what are you doing your best at this week? I think I'm, I don't, I mean, I'm having like a love-hate relationship with the internet lately. Um, Like a lot of the, <laughs> Lately? Lately. I mean, more so than usual for me. A lot of the things that I used to do to soothe myself, like watching, mm. you know, like process videos, how-to videos are just irritating me, especially when they're just like, buy this, buy this, you have to get this, you ha-, you know, talk about the mascara controversy, like, I'm really, you know, I love Michaela, and I love her videos, um, her tutorials, but I'm really, like, feeling weird about things that are like, you know, you have to do something this way, or you have, you know, I, I just, I feel weird about being told, because I think there's a lot of ways to do something and I feel like my mom always said there's more than one way to skin a cat exactly or I mean not that we're skinning (laughs) cats no one should skin a cat but you know we've already talked about the horrific sentiment of the saying that's the saying but you know um I feel like I'm having notification poisoning I think I'm having like pop-up induced rage a lot because I'm like whenever I go to buy something and every time I go to click on the thing I want like a thing pops up about how I have to enter my email or how I can get 15% off and I'm just like you have my email you know who I am just give me the 15% off from the beginning and don't like fuck with my emotions don't leave me on this roller coaster and make me spin a little I that this like new thing of like you want 15% off? Well, you have to give us your fucking email. Ooh, you want 20% off? We also need your te- your phone number so we can text you. Like, guys, stop it. Give it to me or don't. Like- I swear to God, you know what? I'm more likely to fucking be a re- repeat customer if you just give me the 20% off and then I'm like, buy the thing and I'm happy with it. You know what I hate the worst? When the pop-up comes up and it's like, do you want 15% off? Enter your email. And then if you don't want to do that, there's a little box to check that says, no, thanks. I'll just pay full price. And I'm like, you fucking passive aggressive asshole website. No, thanks. I'll just pay. Can I I tell you something? I love clicking. No, thanks. I'll just (laughs) pay full price because I think it's a fucking power move. I'm like, fuck you. You don't work with me. You're fucking bullshit. And guess what? I'm not paying anything. aggressive bullshit doesn't work with me. I'm not paying anything. I'm just saying that I don't want a discount so that I can look at your fucking stupid website. Yeah, I'm just looking anyway. I'm just just filling a cart never to come back. Let me look. And if you have my email... You'll send me the cart and be like, think you left something behind. Oh, my God. I just hate it. So I'm just feeling like very – and I think it all reached ahead. I think where I realized like I have to do – like I have to be healthier is that like – I know I've mentioned a couple times on the podcast that we have to get the floors redone in this house because they're really janky. And it's like – it's not just like embarrassing when you have people – I have to like – I feel like the Property Brothers – had asked right about like if there was anyone who's in LA who I yeah, wanted to like I mean can we should we do it I should mean like, do you remember that email did I yeah because I know you? that the property brothers that you you they appeared on girls five uh, girls five of us so mm-hmm. anyway yeah I mean, I mean it's mean, supposed to be a surprise but uh, well listen do we just do the pop property brothers I'll forget 
that we ever had this conversation. Anyway. No, honey, I'm forgetting all kinds of things. And I don't know if it's just like, I don't know what the fuck's going on. Everyone in my family is like, oh, it's because of COVID. I can't be, since I had COVID, I can't remember anything. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure we were forgetting everything before COVID. But, um, but so anyway, I, I left like kind of, um, a salty comment on a flooring company's uh, social media post because, <laughs> because I liked this flooring product and I asked for samples and the samples came, they were like here the next day. And I was like, I love this product. I want to use it. It's environmentally friendly. I just need to figure out how much it costs and like, can I get someone to come install it? Whatever. But so the first step is like emailing the company and asking them, like, what's the cost of this per square foot? Obviously, that's what you do. And they sent me the samples, happily, like, dozens of samples of their different colors, whatever. These fucking people will not respond. Like, they responded saying, you need to talk to this person. And then I, like, emailed that person and left her a voicemail. And then never heard back. And then I wrote back to the company, and they were like, oh, my God, so, so sorry. Uh, maybe try this. And then I did that, never heard back from anyone. And then I DM'd them on Instagram being like, hey, I want to use your product in my house. Can you give me a quote? Can you put me in touch with someone that can give me a quote on what it costs per square foot? And they were like, oh, my God, yes, so sorry. Give us your email. Never responded back. But then the other day, I just see in my fucking feed just a picture from that company. Like, look how nice our floors are. And I was like, put a comment that was like, yes, these floors are beautiful. I would literally love to use this product, but I cannot get a single person in your company to respond to my multiple queries about how much your product costs. And then I was like, you know what? It's not healthy. I need to... It's time to log off. It's time to log off and let it go and let that flooring go. Even though I love that flooring, it was beautiful and whatever, but I just, I have to let it go. And like, it's not healthy that I have access to like whoever runs their Instagram account in that way, you know? So that's what I did my best at is that I just, oh my God, you're typing so loud. <laughs> I That's what it's always like when you click clack, just FYI. And maybe I'm a little bit typing hard today because I'm like, I have a lot of energy because I went to my energy healer and I and then I had therapy. And I have to say, Casey, I think the energy healing is like working. Oh, good. I'm glad. Well, I think it's a combination of lots of things. Yeah. But also when you're here, um, I want you to see her. I, I asked if um, I could like as my treat, I want you to go to my energy healer. If That's you would so be open nice. to it. Yeah, I would Is love that a thing to. that you like or would do? I don't know. I've never done it. I am like a little creepy about massages, but it's I do. It's not massaging. She doesn't touch you. That's Well, that's so what I was going to say. And I recently had a massage where I, t- I just was open with the lady that I was like, I'm a little um, weird about massages, about people touching me in that way and she was great and like totally respected it and it was like a fantastic massage so I think I'd be okay with someone not touching me she touches you sometimes yeah very lightly okay but also she does do some energy work and stuff that's that doesn't touch you at all regardless it doesn't matter you'd be fine with it okay are fully clothed yeah 
and just you lie down and close yeah. your eyes. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think it's that's been, so cool. I think and I think it's very cool that you asked because I like the recognizing that I have like vulnerabilities going way back to when I tried Pilates, which is a story for another podcast, another another day. We don't have time. We don't have time to talk about the vulnerability of Pilates. But anyway, I'm so happy it's working for you. I feel like it really is. And like, I got to be honest with you, like, guys, you know, you know what they say. You know what the saying is. What's the saying? If it's hysterical, it's historical. Mm. And so this past month plus now in my life that has been fairly hysterical, I'll say. Yeah. Has like deep fucking roots and... I think that that's part of what has been so difficult for me in this moment to move through is that I think I'm a person that, like I said, I push through, you know, yeah. like pile it on, push through. I like went to Hoffman and I was like, I went to Hoffman. I did it. I went there for a week. I'm done. I'm good. And having like being like literally, I feel like punched in the gut like emotionally yeah or like knocked out maybe punched in the gut I don't know punched in the gut to the ground how about that yeah wind knocked out of me yeah I then was like you know it's like memento it's it's like one of those it's like any of those movies where then all of a sudden everything comes into focus it's like the Hitchcock thing where they like zoom in and pan out at the same time and you're like oh fuck in slow motion yeah because you realize oh I didn't I actually just like I passed the ball I just like punted it. Right. And I'm still trying to heal the same fucking bullshit, which, by the way, is all of our life's work. It never ends. So, but I do think I had, I was like sort of operating in under, like for a really, for, a really long time of like that I oh that's healed I moved through that right and like the truth the truth is that like everyone says all the time all the platitudes every fucking person you follow on TikTok or Instagram or whatever like healing is not linear um like recovery is not linear um you know healing trauma healing childhood wounds healing whatever it sexual trauma healing relationship shit like it's not it's not a one and done like no. proposition i mean you have to think of it in terms of like a physical wound like so you get a gash on your forehead and you get it stitched up 
and it heals, but you still have that scar there that you're still going to catch a glimpse of it in the mirror and you're still going to touch it sometimes and remember. And so like, while it's not like a physical, it's, that scar is still going to hurt. That scar when it is still there. And <laughs> <laughs> Do scars hurt when it rains? Maybe. I don't know. But you know what? They are numb for a really long time. If oh you my have gosh. You're you know that. Kidding. I know. Yeah. I just got my feeling back in my torso from having Lincoln. He's 20. <laughs> Stop it. By the way, my knee surgery that I had when I was 14, I don't think I felt the front of my knee, no joke, until I was like 20 years old. Yeah. I'm n- I'm not even kidding. Like I'm four not- or five years later, I was like, oh, that's weird. That's my knee. Oh, interesting. And I still don't think it's 100%. Oh, my really God. I, I, I feel like I had a healthy... I'm not... Yeah, I, I could knee. not feel my torso for the longest time after having the kids. And I think the only thing that like that's the kind of thing that would make me freak out and like lose my mind, like not being able to feel um, like a part of your body. But the thing that kept me sane, I think is that when I had mono, when I was a teenager, I think I was like 15, maybe when I had mono, I, it was really serious. And I was like rushed to the hospital cause I fainted um, in the donut shop where I worked. And uh, in the, People noticed that, like, I had a T-shirt on that, like, slipped back, and people noticed that I had, like, glands, like, sticking out of my back. And so I was rushed to the hospital. My mom took me to her internist instead of my pediatrician because that's who could see me. And he was like – they tested me for, like, really serious shit because they were like, you know – what the fuck is this? Like all of her glands are like, you yeah, can yeah. see them. Um, and so the test cell came back and the doctor was like, it's good news. It's mono. It's not as serious as, you know, a lot of the things we tested you for. It's just mono. And he was like, which is really common illness for uh, kids your age. And I was like, okay. And then he was like, um, And so, you know, you're going to need to, like, rest and take it easy. And uh, if everything goes well, you should be feeling a lot better in a couple months. And then you'll feel, like, back to yourself in, like, two years. And I was like, ah, that's so funny. And he was like, I'm really not joking. Like, I think it's going to take you, like, a good two months to get over, like, this illness. And I think it will honestly take you about two years until you're feeling, like, back to your old, old self. But, uh... Yeah. Anyway. Can I ask you a question? Did you ever feel back to your old, old self? Because I don't I, think so. I, I, I never. Yeah. Yeah. I had mono when I was um, 14. Maybe I had just turned or I was just turning 15. Yeah. I wrote about it in my book. Yeah. And I also fainted like three times. I went to the Stone Temple Violets concert with my Ugh. friend. And I like threw up and fainted three times. And like they obviously at the concert thought I was like a kid on drugs yeah but I wasn't I had mono yeah and yeah I'm like did I ever feel (laughs) like what was that like did I ever feel normal again like like health-wise I don't know like I think I I mean I think that turned me into like a rester you know like I, I think like before that I didn't know what rest was and I I feel like I had endless amount of energy but then I have a lot of energy you do well I was just thinking like I can't imagine what your energy level was like before but like (laughs) annoying (laughs) (laughs) 
Thank God she got mono and almost died. Um, No, but I think like mono was a turning point in my life where I was like, oh, I can do something up to a certain point. But then even if it's like still fun and there's like a party going on and everything, I have to go and like close my eyes and go to sleep. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. That didn't happen for me. I was never that person before. And I instantly turned into that person. My thing is like more that I really need to go lie down and close my eyes and like take care of myself and someone's like but you can do it right and I'm like "Uh (laughs) (laughs) uh-huh and I just like rally and do it but here's the thing that I want to say like to circle back yeah I was mad at Mark for years for not like telling me to go rest when I needed to rest Right. Essentially. I was like mad at him for not taking care of me when the truth was I was not taking care of myself. And I was looking for someone to just come take care of me. Mm -hmm. And I like fucking realized, guess what, guys, at 43... It's me. Like, it's always supposed to be me, like, to have been me since I've been an adult. And when I was a child, that's a different story. But you know what? That's between me and Barb Phillips and (laughs) Joe Phillips. And that's fine. It is what it is, you know? But, like, this is, like, that's not, you know, I think that there's a certain amount and maybe, and maybe it's also about the partners that you choose, right? Like, yeah. maybe there are partners that can recognize it. Maybe I also, like I said to you 10 minutes ago, whatever, I could never be in touch enough with what I actually needed to say, like, I need you to do this for me, please. Right. You know? Right. Because the truth is, like, Mark took great notes when... I was able to give them. Right. You know? But frequently, I was, like, at a loss for what I even needed because I couldn't get in touch with it myself. I just knew that I wasn't getting it. Right. You know? So you were giving notes pertaining to other things. Yeah, of course. But not about your... Yeah. But not about, like, the the deep need of, like, someone to... You know. Well, think about it, but, Biz. Did, but you, also, like, did you come I, home from the hospital with the girls with, like, a list of, like, they eat at this time, they poop at this time, they, you know, this is how many times they peed. Like, we had all that written down in a notebook. This is so funny that you say this because three days ago, I was looking for a photo. Yeah. And I found my meticulous feeding log of birdie that I kept. You guys, I was a fucking psychopath. And I wrote down every minute, how long she breastfed, on which boob, how many ounces approximately she got. I would weigh her. I had a, I bought a baby scale. Yeah. And I would weigh her before and after Oops. To see how much got in her. Yeah. Yeah. Because I was like so in my fucking 
you know, yeah. I had, like yeah. we talked about again earlier in this episode, like postpartum anxiety. Yeah. And I didn't know that was like how it was manifesting. Right. 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 But I was like, also, by the way, I do want to say Bertie, the pediatrician didn't do me any favors. The original, our original pediatrician, because Bertie was born giant. Yeah. Also, Adam Pally, due to milkshakes. <laughs> <laughs> Truly. I like didn't even bring this up when he was talking, but I was like, honey, I know how to gain a hundred pounds. Like, uh, come sit next to me. Yeah. Uh, strawberry, fresh strawberry milkshakes yeah. at 3 p.m. Yes, please. I would have a um I would have two slices of peanut butter toast, my favorite breakfast. Yeah. And then I would have breakfast. Sure. Yeah. You're I mean, eating for two. I was, I took it quite literally. But so anyway, so she came out, you know, like 10 pounds, that baby. Yeah. And almost, almost 10 pounds, guys. She was big. And she wasn't in those first few weeks like gaining. Right. A ton, a ton of weight. Right. Probably even lost weight at first. She did. Yeah. And, you know, and they they insisted on testing her for diabetes and like all this stuff, right? Um, Which I'm like convinced is like the source of her trauma and I need to get that energy healed. But anyway, whatever. That's another story. Um, And so the doctor like got it in my head that if I didn't like keep track that like something terrible was going to, like, I don't yeah, know. I don't the, even know. Yeah. They just, like, just made like, me s- disappear. disappear? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I was just terrified, and no one told me any different, and so I was just, like, I found, and I kept them because I think I was always, like, you're going to want to look at this someday. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. Someday you're going to look at this and be, like, the fuck yeah. did you do? Yeah. I mean, cricket, God bless. Well, I think I wrote down I fed her twice. <laughs> You know what you I mean? You were more experienced at that time. But my point about like about documenting ounces in, ounces out, poops and naps and everything, like we didn't we were making an instruction book for those kids, right? But we didn't nobody made an instruction book for ourselves, including us. As we got older, yeah. You know, and so like I, I suppose, and it's so obvious that if you ever sat and thought about it, you could write down some things like, here are things that are true about me. Here's a pattern. I always get starving at noon sharp, you know? And if I wait until one o'clock, it's too late and I'm hangry and I'm not effective. And, you know, mm-hmm. I need naps at, at this time. And, you know, things like you were saying, like you need to lie down for 10 minutes. And like, I know that about you. You know what I mean? Like, I know that about you. Um, but it's, it's like one of those things where I can do two shows, but I can't do three. Right. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) You know? And, and so it's just that those kind of things where like, no one ever told us really to be reflective enough about ourselves and to figure out like even you know what we were asking Adam like what's your dream and the first thing he said was well I don't know you know like I don't I don't don't know um I hadn't really thought about it and I think that we were raised in this generation where like not only did we did no one encourage us to think about like what we need or what we want or whatever. But I would even argue that people discouraged us from thinking in those terms, being like, fucking get over yourself. Like what you're a princess. Like you need a fucking list of like what you can do and 
how you have to treat yourself and like, you know. Well, and a lot of Gen X, like a lot of people our age, like yeah. their parents were very like, well, we did it all for you. Right. We did it. We protested war. We got women's rights. We did the civil rights movement. We fixed it right. all. Right. Ladies can have credit cards now. You're welcome. Right. right. And then, and so it's like, okay, well, I guess I, guess I should be very grateful because they've, it's all done for yeah. me. But then come to the realization. And like, literally, I think that that like, the gaslighting of the boomers to Gen X yeah. is kind of part and parcel why Gen X is like so apathetic, right? Because they're like, we were told everything was done, by the right. way. Right. We were told all we had to do was show up and be our best and like anything was possible. Right. And guess what? Like right. 40 fucking years later, we realize, oh shit, that wasn't correct. Right. And like, meanwhile, the way that we were being raised wasn't, you know, and obviously this is sweeping generalization, but it wasn't normal. Like we were on our own and it's because like our parents were out of the house and working and, you know, you could say it's because like, well, everyone just wanted to like give their families a better life or whatever. Like everyone was yuppies or whatever was like the word du jour at the time. But the truth is like our parents had to work and there was no system set up to take care of us. No. So we were home alone with for better or for worse without the internet like to look up like what to do if you you know sprain your ankle or what you know what i mean like we were just like we were weird like at home survivalists you know <laughs> and like just weird loners like trying to figure out how to like live off of what we were finding in the pantry and you know, honey, I have to say my parents really did, though, do me a solid with that Costco bag of tortilla chips <laughs> that was as tall as I was. Yeah. It was like three, four and a half feet. Yeah. And then the craft singles in the fridge. And that's all I need. That's to this all day. you. When you people could... say that I seem like a bitch that could survive the apocalypse, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, obviously. If obviously you hit up I a could. Costco. <laughs> um but I think it's really interesting because I think it's like a piece that gets missed so frequently. And I think it gets missed by younger generations too when yeah. they say things like, you guys did fucking shit about anything. It was like, oh, I thought that being objectified at work was like winning. Yeah, the price. I was told yeah. that like we had the thing had been done and this was as good as it was ever going to get right. and to be grateful for it and smile through it cuz that wasn't going to get any better right and so the realization like when it starts dawning on you that like oh fuck man wait maybe that's weird yeah. maybe that's not right yeah. maybe the way that we're talking about these things treating people what the fuck and like that's to say nothing of like, honest, obviously, like our black friends and our brown friends and our like, you know, like everybody else who's trying to like exist in a system that's essentially just like set up and run by white men. Who always, they always knew it was fucked up. Of course. They always, like, it was never not fucked up for everyone else. And, you know. They've always known. And so we're in this position now where we can communicate so much more readily and, like, learn so much more readily. But, like, there's a lot of 
there's a lot of fucked up wounds that a lot of us have to have to fix and figure out and like figure out who we are and how we work. And like, I'm still working on it. You know, I feel like I didn't even really start the work of that until I was 40. You know, well, here I am. I'm three years behind you. <laughs> but I think you. Have I a- thought I had started, but I was wrong. I think I you- thought I had started, but I was wrong. I, I want to tell you, just, you. I want to tell you something really fast. Though. Please do. That's going to be maybe you guys and Barb, I know you listen to this podcast and don't cry and don't call me crying. And like, I love you, please. Um, I hadn't really been talking to my mom a lot this month just because I've been very, because this is a little bit uh, also about like knowing what you're able to hold and what you're able to handle. Sure. And I'm like really working on that for yeah. myself. And I love my mother so much. Yeah. Barbara is incredible, but there's also a dynamic that exists that like you guys get it, Barbara, you get it, that when I'm in, that I now know if I'm like in crisis, maybe it's not the best moment for me to share with her right? because it causes a bunch of other things to be activated, right? right. Does that make sure. sense? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, but I've been like communicate, we've been communicating a bit and like we, t- like we communicate through text and then like yeah. when I'm with the kids, like we FaceTime and talk to my mom, dad, whatever. Um, but I know she's been really concerned about me because also she listens to the podcast. So she's like, listen to me cry. Yeah. Be real. So she called me and was like, I really like, I'm so glad we we're getting to talk because um, I've been really upset. Like, I know that you've been having this hard time and da, 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 da. And I like explained to her one situation. There's been multiple yeah. things yeah. Uh, in the last two months, almost, whatever, month and a half, whatever, my life. And I sort of like just explained to her more what had been happening. Yeah. And my mom started like, like not in any, like in just a very, whatever. Yeah. My mother started like sort of offering excuses for the other people's behavior. Yeah. In a, in a way that was just like, it was like, but I felt really grounded when I had called, when I called her, you know, like I've been doing this energy work. I've been doing my therapy. I've been talking to you. I've been talking to Jenny. I've been talking to Emily BB and Mark, my friend Goldie. I've been seeing my Jen. I've been seeing like good girlfriends and like, and Mark and (laughs) (laughs) bless. Um, you know, I was feeling really grounded. And so like when my mom like started doing this thing, excusing someone else's bad behavior towards me, I was like, okay, like, okay. Like this is how, what she's able to do in this moment. Like this is how she's able to show up because she's always in her life had to make excuses for people hurting her. Because that's all you're going to get is the story that it went from when Barb and my mom grew up. That's all they were ever going to get was the story that they told themselves about how something happened. And how to justify yes. bad, hurtful behavior 
so that it can kind of make sense and so you that you can, can just like go on. brush it under the rug and go on, yes. okay? But I'm really fucking feeling it in this moment. Yeah. Like I'm not brushing it under the rug and I'm really feeling it and I'm like allowing myself to feel all of it. And anyway, but because I've been like, I was feeling very grounded when I called Barb. I love her so much and I just had such compassion for her. And I was like, Mom, I love you so much. Thank you for talking to me. I'll talk to you. I'll talk to you soon. I'll call you with the girls this week, like this week sometime. Okay. Love you. Bye. And I hung up and was like, honestly, didn't let it affect me in any way. Didn't let it like go back and rethink about my own experience and how I've been dealing with it and what it, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I just was like, this is my mother's experience and bless her heart. I love her so much. And that's what she was able to meet me with. And I kind of knew that on a level. And that's why I didn't really want to talk to her without, you know, about any yeah, of this. Yeah. And, right. Went out to dinner with Jen that night and we had like a great, really lovely night, just like the two of us. And then we went back and like hung out with Birdie and it was just so fun. And I told Jen a little bit about the conversation and and I was just like, you know, I just have to have so much compassion. Like that's the, and I, that's a, not since I was at Hoffman, basically, right. <laughs> you know, or like in the very few weeks after, have I been able to like sort of access that thing? But I really have been like fucking trying to do this thing for real, I guess. I don't know. And it's again, a process, but um, so anyway. The next day, my mom texted me, I need you to call me. And I was like, oh, fuck, did someone die? Right. Oh, fuck me. Okay, is everyone okay? And she's like, yeah, everyone's fine. And then my mom starts crying and she's like, I messed up yesterday when I was talking to you. I was trying to make excuses for someone else's behavior. I don't give a fuck about that person. I care about you and your emotions. And it's not okay that you're hurting. And I'm so sorry. And Casey... Aww. What the fuck? I was like, mom, you turned 80 this year. Like, I cannot tell you how huge that is. Right. Like, you have lived your entire life making excuses for people that have hurt you. And that's, of course, your first go-to. And I didn't, I wasn't judging you. I wasn't, like, going to bring it up. You know, there's a version of me in many, most, all the years previous <laughs> where I would be like, why are you doing that? Why would you fucking defend? You know, but instead I just was like in that moment, like, thanks mom. Thanks for talking to me. I love you. Goodbye. And what I realized is that it allowed her the space without having to get defensive, without having to defend her own immediate emotional response to like really think about her our conversation and what she, what she sounded like and if that was what she wanted to impart to me right. in that moment. Right. And she had realized that the night before, like, that's not what I wanted to impart to her. That's not what's important to me. What's important to me is that my daughter, who I love, who's like the best thing ever, knows that I support her no matter what. And like, I don't know, man. I just feel like if my mom at 79 can like be able to do that, fuck. 
we can all, as Glennon Doyle says, do hard things. (laughs) (laughs) That's a really big deal. And the truth is, it's not that hard. But we just trip ourselves up getting there. We trip ourselves up by all the things that you just described. Uh, you just described a million ways it could have gone wrong and how it has gone wrong. And a in million the past. ways it's gone, yeah, it's gone wrong in the past. And a million ways it's gone wrong in the past. And but because you just didn't let it this time. No. Because here's the thing: you could have angrily said, Why are you doing this? But I think instead. You asked yourself kindly, why is she doing this? And you knew why she's doing it. And the and the answer is like, and the answer's full of fucking compassion for her. Right. Right. And so that's a huge deal. I'm so happy that you had that moment with her. I know. And I'm so happy that she had the courage to call you back because I, I bet know. that's I bet that's a thing that a lot of parents or like people in our lives actually like get on the precipice of thinking but never follow through and make the call because that takes a lot of courage to tell someone like I could have done that better and I I was so proud of her like and so happy that that's my mom and like and also like that bodes well yeah for the for the rest of us yeah yeah down the line do you know what I mean yeah like we can change this shit we can yeah I mean, life is, it doesn't feel like it sometimes, I know, but life is a fucking gift. And every, I have this one friend that she's religious and I'm not super religious, but one reason that I love her and I love following her on social media is every day she's, she posts on social media, thanking the Lord for the wake, which means like, I'm thanking God for waking me up again another day. And her life is such that, like, you know, she, she, I think she understands the gravity of, like, how, you know, without getting, like, too deep into it, she has, like, physical limitations that might make it so that, like, there might be a day when she doesn't wake. You know, uh, that's just the reality of it. So, like, knowing her makes me just think of, like, how every day, every fucking day, and especially after everything we've been through over the past few years, every day is an opportunity to get it right. And you're never going to get everything right. And you can't control everything. You can't control who says yes to you and who says no to you and whatever, but you can like get it right with the people in your life. But it takes, it does take courage. It takes a little bit of courage, but it's so funny because once it's done, you just see like, oh, that was the right thing. You know, that was the right thing. And it also, again, doesn't mean that it's not going to roll back and happen another time in the, in a way that's not great. Right. But also when it does, when it reappears, knowing how to like handle it, it's so much easier the second time you do it, just like anything so much easier. But I just, the other day there was some Twitter thread where so many people were like, people were asking when's the first time an adult apologized to you. And so many people were like, no one's ever apologized to me. No one's ever said I'm sorry for anything they've ever done to me, which is like wild, you know, because I think it would be rare to find a parent that said, oh, I'm, I was a perfect parent. I never made a mistake. Parents all the time, we hear them saying like, I'm not a perfect parent. We all make mistakes. 
then therefore your kid should have gotten an apology from you at some well, point. I also, though, do want to just say this. Just going to say it. Yeah. Sometimes kids can't hear it. That's true. That's true. You know? That is true. And like, and I understand that yeah. as well from yeah. both sides. Like, yeah. I know that my mother apologized to me for some things that yeah. then like came out in my book and then she was like, I did it before. It obviously didn't stick. I want right. to say again for this, I'm like deeply, deeply sorry. And I, in retrospect, I'm like, yeah, yeah, maybe you did. Mm-hmm. But I was like, write it down. Everyone. I was like 20. I was 20 <laughs> and I wanted to fucking kill you. Write it you down. Know, like, put it in writing. I know. But like, I've, you know, I do, I'm sure you, I know you apologize to your kids, but like, I definitely have apologized to my kids. I mean, that's what that whole. Yeah. Evening with Birdie was my top five worst mom fails. For sure. But it's hard. It's hard to say sorry sometimes because we we're I think we're more entrenched about family things than we are about any other thing. So whenever you wonder how like things happen politically or whatever, look at how entrenched we become about ideas surrounding like the people that are in our lives and how hard it is to say, oh, I might have been thinking about this wrong. I might have done this wrong. I have more information now and now I'm changing. You know, it's it's very difficult. It can be it can be very difficult. But the weird thing is once you make up your mind to do it and you do it, it's not as difficult as you thought it was going to be and it gets easier every time. And then next thing you know, you just have like a perfectly like mentally healthy family. And everything's perfect. <laughs> everything's perfect, you guys. <laughs> guys, and on that note, everything's perfect. Generational trauma healed. And good night, everybody. We love you so much. We'll see you Friday in San Francisco. Oh, tickets are still available. Pal- Palace of Fine Arts. Get your tickets because we want to see you in San Fran. I think people from also- San Francisco hate that when you say San Fran. I'm going to bring burritos. Oh. And throw them in the audience. Isn't that what San Francisco says they have the best at? Burritos? Um, I I don't Aren't know. They, isn't it burritos? I just know about rice aroni, which I don't well, think. Well, they definitely. Fr- yeah. No, I don't think they claim that. But they definitely yeah. say that, like, they're like, our burritos are the best. That's oh, the okay. Thing. All right. Again, okay. Southern California. All right. Well, yeah. all right. So yes. wear your burrito helmets. Wear your sequins. Oh! We didn't even fucking talk about my sequin fucking score at Anthropology. Did you see my uh, Instagram story? I did see that you got something at Anthropology, but I didn't see. Well, no, because I'm saving it for the big yeah. night. But I did give the tip to, to people. To go to Anthropology? If they're interested in joining the theme. And again, no, the theme no is pressure. Not, it's, it's mandatory. It's not mandatory. It's just for fun. You're allowed to come but as you are. Wear jeans. I don't give a fuck what you wear. I mean, wear clothes. Like, wear yeah, clothing. De- that's like, a rule. To be honest, like, I don't think they would let you in if you're naked. Yeah, probably not. I don't probably Pro- Although not. it's San Francisco. I don't know. I don't, I'm not a citizen. There's that naked guy. I don't know. <laughs> but um, I also scored a really great... Uh, sequined outfit from Eloquy. If you, you're not familiar probably, but I bet a lot of people I are. I know Eloquy. Come oh, on. I don't know. Did I not work on Busy Tonight? <laughs> oh, that's true. That's true. I know All we did right. some. But anyway, um, so many sequins are falling off that shit that there'll be enough sequins to make someone else an outfit by the end of the night. So it's just shedding that's sequins everywhere. Actually but- hilarious. <laughs> um, 
I'm excited. Yeah. I'm excited I'm to excited be in San Francisco. I, I actually really, really love San Francisco. I've spent so many years <laughs> going there for Sketchfest. Oh, no, I'm going to cry. Aww. It's just been a lot of years that I've spent going there for Sketchfest. And I have, like, a lot of really great memories with my friends there doing comedy and stuff. And you doing the Busy Tonight show there live. That was so fun. Yeah. It's going to be so fun. And our friend Paul F. Tompkins is going to be our guest. And, guys, we have – I have, like, kind of a big deal for me and maybe you. Um, But I, like, wildly stoned – reached out to the lead singer of Rogue Wave, the band, who sings the song Bird on a Wire that I mistook <laughs> and in my head thought was Bear on a Wire. Because <laughs> um, I know his wife, he had like, he had reached out to me at some point because they were playing like a live stream of his, of their album, of like one of their albums. And he's yeah. like, my wife says that you're a really big fan so his wife follows me. Yeah. Maybe she listens to the podcast. What what's up, wife? I don't know your name yet. I hope we meet. I hope we meet too. Uh and which is also funny because I do feel like several band people have gotten into us, you and me, because of their wives. I think that's true. And it makes my husband like insane because he's like, so many of these like singer-songwriter guys that are heroes to me, I know like yeah. DM. I mean, like you. Joe Joe Permnice is like the fucking coolest. Yes. Like I can't believe like Rogue Wave has like a few literally like Rogue Wave has a few of like my favorite yes. songs of all time. And California is one of them. Yes. And if you guys don't know that song, you should just check it out. I don't think we're going to be singing it. And then I said to him, this is so weird. This is a person I don't know yeah. at all. And I was just like stoned. Wild question for you. Are you in town next weekend? And do you want to come play some songs acoustically? And also one with me where I sing and you don't. And also if you guys, if you don't just, do you want, does your wife, do you guys just want to come sit the show? That's oh my too. God. And I, he was like very cool about it. I was like, yeah, we're in, I'm in. That sounds great. What songs do you have in mind to sing? And then I was like blank. I had nothing. Oh my God. And then Casey, he suggested three songs and like the third one is, you guys will recognize it and say, we're not going to ruin it. If you've been following me for a while on Instagram and back when I used to do the lullabies for cricket yeah. when she was little and I would record them, you're going to recognize the song and I think you're going to be really happy about it. I was so thrilled. That's amazing. It's as perfect as Seth's choice for The Last of Us of that Linda Ronstadt song. Is That's how perfect the song that you chose to sing is going to be, right? I think so. Oh, and also speaking of, I've been wanting to bring this up, but speaking of awesome, cool musician guys who we know because of their wives, Lou Barlow from Dinosaur Jr. and Sebado. Incredible. Love that guy so much. And his wife, Adele, is amazing. And she's a talented artist in her own right. They have started a podcast called Raw Impressions where it's really short. So if you... (laughs) 
<laughs> if, if you love this really long podcast, maybe you have time for like a really short podcast to add um, into your repertoire, but it's really fun. And they're just like, they're so adorable. And Lou does these, um, like he redoes the commercial jingles for like all the toys when we were little kids in like a weird, surreal way. And I just love it so much. But anyway, check out their podcast, Raw Impressions. It's super fun to Wait, are to they to in them. Boston? They're in Massachusetts. Yes. Are they coming to the live show? I hope they are. Lou might be going on tour. So I think that's what we're like. He might have a show himself, but I don't know. But they might be there. Well, Will is playing, but also if Lou wanted to play, we could sing White Trash Heroes together. Lou Barlow, if you're out in that audience, we might call you like, up. But not to get. Frozen out of focus. Neon <laughs> lights. I don't want to promise that he'll be there uh, because, like, he might have stuff going on. But um, we will. I think that if he doesn't make it to that Boston show, we will sing with Lou Barlow at some point. It's we have to make it a goal. Yeah. Well, hopefully, guys, you all have bought tickets to this show. We'll find out. And (laughs) if it is successful, then hopefully Casey and I will do more. Yeah, that's February. And we'll have to book. More people, Casey. This seems like a lot. It it's seems a, like it's a, lot. a lot of work. <laughs> How does everyone I mean, do it? I mean, considering that we literally just booked Adam today for New Jersey, <laughs> which, by the way, I think might be fucking amazing. Which might be amazing. I mean, like, he, well, now we know the secret. Get someone in a high pressure situation where they're being recorded and can't say no. Do you think he's really going to do it? I hope so. I think so. All I right. Think he is. All right. I feel good about it. Okay. I'm going to make sure. We'll follow up. I'm going to follow up. I'll follow <gasps> up right now. All right. You guys, we love you so much. We love you so much. Get your much. tickets for those shows because we really want to see you. Yes. And um, yes. have a great week. And yeah, the next time we'll see you is Friday night in San Francisco. And then on to the Taylor Swift rave. <laughs> That's Busy's vote for what we should do after the show. Taylor after Swift party, rave. Taylor Swift rave. <laughs> you guys, we love you so much. Thank you for being along for the journey. We'll talk, we'll to, talk you to you later. Bye. Bye. Oh, no.